You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show. Today I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Berry with me here on this Wednesday as we have a fun and full show planned for you this afternoon. Uh, we will have a lot of conference realignment talk as uh, we were hardly able to get into it yesterday, but uh, things continue to boil over in the Pac-12 conference. We'll talk about that. Also, very interesting remarks made at a Board of Trustees meeting between uh, with the Florida State Seminoles earlier today and earlier today by a matter of just moments ago. So we're going to talk about some of those comments and realignment and, again, where this is all headed. 4.15 today, we're going to have Cole Pinkston of On3 with us. He's going to talk all things in the recruiting world as, again, we continue uh, kind of trying to put a bow on Big Cat Weekend and then look ahead to what's coming up the next month or two in the recruiting world for Auburn. So Cole Pinkston will give us that perspective and how all this has gone down here in the, in the, fi- in the last few weeks. A little bit later at 5 o'clock, we will once again have a sports call 5 at 5. Again, bringing back an old segment that we used to have. That, of course, now brought to you by Southeastern Land Group. So that will be at 5 o'clock today. Uh, And also today, we begin our preview of the Southeastern Conference and all of its teams. 14 teams in 13 days. And the reason we have one less day for the amount of teams is because we're doing two teams today. We're starting with Vanderbilt and Missouri. So we'll talk about them in the latter half of this show as well. Again, previewing all these different SEC teams over the next 13 shows. We're going to start from the bottom, work our way up, but we will save Auburn for last. So, uh, again, we're going to go off the SEC preseason voting. That's why we're starting with Vandy and Missouri today. Again, Ryan, Cam, and Tom with you. Of course, you can give us a, uh, a phone call at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free. Uh, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 on our Auburn Bank phone line. Birthdays and sports nightly TV guide also as always, Ryan, Cam, and Tom on this Wednesday. Cam, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing well, enjoying a, a great Wednesday. It'll be my only day on the show this week. Uh, I get the opportunity tomorrow to see to go to my first concert, get to see Post Malone. So I'm really excited about that. Girlfriend got me tickets for my birthday earlier in, uh, in the summer, and uh, so now the time comes to actually uh, enjoy that. So I'm really excited about that. It'll be in, up in Atlanta. So um can't can't wait honestly i'm ready to do that uh but yeah i mean a lot of stuff going on uh braves just won another series uh beat the angels 12 to 5 today uh to cap off that series excited to uh get max freed back hopefully um or he's i think he's scheduled to pitch on friday is what the consensus seems to be uh so excited to see him and see what he's got and 
um, yeah, just just ready to get the show started and enjoying a great Wednesday. Tom PV also on the show today. Tom, how are you this afternoon? Oh, I'm doing fine. Uh, yeah, just been running around taking care of some errands and getting things done, uh, getting ready for the weekend. But uh, uh, yeah, Braves big series win over the Angels, and uh, you know you had to wonder uh, after the Braves lost that first game how are they going to bounce back from it, and they they have. And uh, today was a butt whooping, I guess you could say. But uh, yeah, overall doing good. A lot of stuff to talk about uh, with the realignment and recruiting and everything. So ready to get at it. Absolutely. Uh, of course, we did have our two Thunder Chicken games last night. We missed you out there, Tom. And uh, I hate I was had, not there. We had uh, several starters out. First game went very poorly. Uh, lost, again, 16-1 uh, to 1 is what the score is going to say. We keep a book, though. We keep stats. We were very confident it was 14-1, to 1, and why that was significant is uh, 15 runs after three is a run rule. So uh, we are. I'm gonna. I'm publicly saying it. I think we got jipped two runs there, and uh, we should have played another inning. Not that would it would have mattered. They would have added two. It was a rough game, but uh, we were owed another inning of softball. The second game went uh, went better. Uh, Eleven to three on the surface is not some awesome thing. However, we were playing the best team in the league. This team is now ten and zero on the season and we played all seven innings and just did not have enough hits enough powerful hits as usual but played good defense and held a high power team uh, down to 11 runs in seven innings which again you think about that if you go and look at the scores of the league 15 16 18 20 runs very common so yeah, proud of us say last week we put up 16 yeah runs we lost 24 16 game yeah. ourselves last week so uh, i was proud of that second game again not being a win but uh, I was proud of that. So that was our it's thunder the little things. Yeah, those are our thunder chicken updates. One more regular season week. That's next Tuesday. Uh, we do play a team that only has one win on the year, and uh, we watch them play before us, and we think that is a an opportunity for us. Then we also play uh, Moe's Barbecue. They actually, they actually have a win this year. They beat the Church of Christ. Oh, the ones the that we were literally team. three outs away yeah. from beating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Unless they blew it. They were leading late, uh, put it that right. way. I never knew the final score, but they were leading late. So, um, But, again, that is going to be something where we're going to target. The other game against most barbecue is going to be very difficult, and uh, we'll be looking just to try to uh, play the seven innings again in that one. But, uh, but yeah, so one more regular season week, then the playoffs, one bye in the league. Um, I think this is the format that they'll go with, one bye. There's fifth, it's 15-team league. Everyone gets the playoffs, so I think one bye and then uh, 14 teams for seven spots into that round of eight is how I think they're going to do that. So we will be playing a very good team like the team we played maybe last night uh, in the playoffs. But That's, that's fun. That's, uh, yeah, well, I mean, again, we're well, you have a bad record. You yeah. got to play someone good. So. Fair enough. Some would argue we shouldn't be getting a playoff game at all. Probably and, not. Uh, so just to get one, uh, is uh, we, we'll have to take just our lumps there. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So – Here's who's not glad to be here. The teams in the Pacific 12 Conference, as we start talking a little bit more about realignment uh, early in this show. Again, it's been a topic for our shows all summer long, and I continue to feel validated by it the more news that comes out. We have speculated about this kind of thing for months, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. It is like a snowball rolling down the mountain. I mean, it is just getting ever larger we'll start with the pac-12 side of this there is a clear developing acc side of this in tallahassee florida that's developing which we will get to at some point in the show but for this segment we'll stick with the pac-12 and that is 
the announcement yesterday that there was finally a meeting with George Klavikov, the Pac-12 commissioner, and the member institutions of the Pac-12 about the new TV deal. And what was presented to them was, uh, and also Larry Scott, the former commissioner, apparently was in on this, uh, what was presented to them was a primarily streaming deal with Apple TV uh, and a model for where it's going to be largely based on the amount of subscriptions they get to this, which is (laughs) incredibly dangerous. We'll talk about why in a moment. And so they gave low, medium, and high estimates for what those uh, incomes for those teams will look like. And after that meeting, I think everyone in the Pac-12 felt even less good about the situation (laughs) and a situation that was already clearly not good. Arizona Arizona State's board met. There are other boards meeting. And basically, there is just overwhelming uneasiness in the Pac-12 conference. And now everyone's wondering, Big 12, Big 10, are you going to target these remaining Pac-12 schools? You're not having to do a whole lot of convincing, I don't think. Uh, Again, to remind you of some of the numbers we're working with here, currently all Big 12 schools and this new TV deal that's going to start, they're going to make in the low 30s, mid-30s per year per team. Uh, And the Big 10 is going to make, I believe, in the 50 to 60 range per team. Uh, For reference, the SEC will also be in that range. I think the Big Ten will actually make a little bit more due to when their deal was signed. So you have 50 to 60s in the Big Ten and the SEC. You have 30s in the Big 12. The number being thrown out, which is going to be difficult and not a guarantee to obtain in the Pac-12, is 20 which is, again, 12 to 13 less than even the Big 12. Mm. And then, again, 20 is not a guaranteed number. It might be a higher-end thing. It might might not be even what they get up to. And so that has everyone talking. Now, there are more semantics on uh, how much you're going to get the first couple years you're in a conference because you're not guaranteed a full share. Obviously, a new team comes in, the share grows. It has to be divided by an extra team or two, so it's not going to be – the exact same you kind of get worked into it so what would that be like if an arizona if an arizona state opted for the big 12 if a oregon or if a washington opted for the big 10 those would things be things they talk about but even still again we're talking about vastly bigger numbers for the big 12 and especially the big 10 so after all that i mean guys i guess the question is uh, is there a what are the chances we don't end up with super conferences? It feels like they are very high, that we're going to end up with like three very large conferences and maybe not even as far in the future as we thought they would. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. Uh, it seems like it's going to be something that could be happening in the, in the next three, four years or so with the way teams are, are ready to jump ship, especially from the Pac-12. I'm reading here. Um you know, it looks like Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are also get. Are, you know, Utah also is getting courted by the Big Twelve. So it's a it's a lot that that you know, Pac twelve is really fighting everybody off with a stick right now, uh, trying to trying to keep uh, keep teams from from jumping ship and and going to somewhere where these TV deals and this money is actually legitimate and solidified uh, within these conferences. Um, I mean, just you're saying twenty million dollars with the Apple TV deal, and that's you know that's on the high end of things. That's just compared to these other deals that all of these teams are getting in these other conferences. That's I mean that's nothing. So you you know if you're if you're a team that's in the Pac-12 that's getting courted by these teams, if you're you know Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, then you're you're thinking, man, this is 
I mean, I, I don't see why you wouldn't be interested in at least talking to these other um, conferences and saying, all right, well, you know, this is what I'm getting here. If you can give me more, I don't see why I can't go there. So, or I, why I can't join as long as, you know, so if Arizona State where Arizona is interested, then, you know, their counterpart would be together considering Arizona and Arizona State. They, I mean, they're, they have the board together. So, um, the way that that works out, they would probably leave and stay together anyway. Utah is kind of obviously its own separate thing, but if they're interested in going and joining the Big 12, then why not? I mean, at that point. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a lot to think about, um, and, and I, I think we're getting closer to Super Conference. It, it really does seem like we're getting very, cl- very close. Yeah. The, the, the whole thing, you know, with the Pac-12 and that, that idea of Apple streaming, it, it's uh, – if you look at every single poll that I've seen, it's the risky. fans do not want anything yeah. to do with that. It, it feels like that a deal like that, you're you're isolating yourselves even more than you've already isolated. Just by being on the West Coast, you're not in the normal prime time of college football playing. That that's why everybody talks about you know Pac-12 after dark and stuff like that. Now you stream it, you you lessen your footprint your even reach. more. Yeah, yeah. so. Um, uh, teams are not, you know, some of these other schools that are kind of lingering, they're not going to sit around for that, and they're going to bail uh, if there's even still that conference there. I mean, it, obviously, the, you know, your big hitters from that conference are moving on. Uh, there just may not be a Pac-12 anymore. I mean, that's legitimately what it's looking like. And if it is, it's going to be bringing in, trying to bring in teams from like the Mountain West and stuff like that. But you may end up seeing, like, Oregon State and Washington State moving to the Mountain West and try to give them a little bit better. But uh, it's it's definitely going in the direction of a just a couple of major conferences. And, and I think that's what it's going to end up being. You're going to have the SEC, the Big 12, and the Big 10. And I, obviously the ACC is still lingering around right now. But, you know, there's a lot of discontent there with uh, the contract that they have and uh you know florida state has been vocal clemson's been vocal so i don't know what happens with that they're not they're obviously not going anywhere anytime soon but you're definitely looking at sec big 12 big 10 and in the future that might be it other than your small conferences because if they if if those teams in the acc once that contract is up and they're not happy with what's going on there, then they, I think then you start seeing similar to the Pac-12. You're going to have a couple big hitters leave, and then that's going to throw things into uh, a situation with the remaining. If they stick around with a, a, fl- a, a failing conference, if they start trying to bail out, so you may end up with the same thing with the Pac-12, and you just end up with the SEC, the Big 12, and the Big 10. I, I, I mean, I could legit see that happening yeah. as far as, your, as major conferences. Assuming that you can have just a single subscription on Apple TV to get the Pac-12 content. Assuming it's not attached, you also have to have another sort of subscription. Knowing That's Apple, it's, it it, you, you might. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how it'll work, but assuming wonder, you can do one. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say I wonder how it would be with the MLS if it's similar with how yeah. they do the MLS stuff. Yeah, again, no idea. Um, I guess I haven't even really, really researched much of the MLS stuff because I just knew I wouldn't be yeah uh, right buying that. What what mm. price? Assuming it'd be a single subscription, what price would you take the Pac-12 subscription? Would you would you be willing to do that? <laughs> would you pay for it at all? You I wouldn't would. pay for it at all. No. Okay. I don't have I, I. I personally just have no interest in Pac-12 
athletics, really. Me either, it, but just for talking points' sake. Yeah. If if there were a price, I would say roughly, I guess, it would, what, a monthly? Like you're saying per month? Yeah, I guess what that. per so month would you be willing to pay to have all the Pac-12 games? I wouldn't be willing to pay more than more than fifteen ninety nine a month. Oh, like, well, that's a, that's pretty steep. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't be willing to pay more than that. That's yeah, it. that's. I, and I'm, you're not necessarily sold at thirteen or fourteen a no, month, but you're no. saying like absolutely no way under fifteen. No, yeah. My absolutely no uh, no circumstance would be over single digits, and then and I again I I find it. <laughs> Tom's is like I don't care. Uh, I'm like, well, Pac-12 is still a part of this thing, so I still want to have access yeah, to it if it can be cheap. Right. But the thing is, is that if you're going to end up racking up, if it's if it's nine dollars a month, then that that's the point where you're going over a hundred dollars for the year, you yeah. know. And that, in my head, is where the value's got to stop because you are losing the the big teams in the conference, you know, what are we left with at that point? And if they keep everything as is, there's still going to be important stuff in that conference. Oregon and Washington, again, there's this there's this beauty and aroma around UCLA. They have not mattered more than Oregon the last 20 years. Right. promise you. No, they it's haven't. just that they're in Los Angeles. And Washington's ceiling is every bit as good, if not better. I mean, I'm going to say better, but it's every bit as good as UCLA's. Okay? Every bit as good. So to think that UCLA is also like just this unbelievably irreplaceable team, okay, success-wise, that's just not true, not in football. In basketball, it is far more of a hit because of the history of UCLA basketball, even though UCLA has been, uh, by and large part, a disappointment as a basketball program for a long time. It's still UCLA. It will always carry – it will always be a name in the basketball world. But the real thing you're losing is that because you've also losing USC, you're losing the ties to Los Angeles, which, again, we can have our disagreements about how important that really is in the college space because USC can't even fill up the stadium unless they're just absolutely awesome. And UCLA certainly can't fill up the stadium. There, there's not a large appetite for collegiate sports in the city of Los Angeles. There's too many other things going on. Yeah. But just the thought that – if you do have a school reach its potential there, if you do have a really good version of USC or UCLA, that it would start to get some eyeballs and it would get uh, eyeballs in one of the biggest places in the in the U.S., then okay, that that that's still something, even if it's not consistent. Uh, but yeah, I would probably only pay for it at like five okay. or six a month. Oh wow! Uh, but again, I would consider it up to nine ninety nine a month. I'm not paying double digits for it because yeah. again. You're also thinking about, okay, what (laughs) – I'm going to sound like a a TV partner here. What am I getting? Are you going to have more schools leave on you? Because I might pay seven or eight a month to watch, again, Oregon and Washington and and Arizona, Arizona State, et cetera. But if if those schools are being replaced by San Diego State and Boise State and and all that, I'm not watching a blue field for $8 a month. I'm not not doing it. So – if you bleed even more schools, that's when I think the value even goes further down. And great, these places take it seriously. Like Boise, Idaho cares immensely about Boise State football. Like, sure. Uh, but the brand is not going to be far encompassing. It's not even going to be as far encompassing as a Washington or as a uh, Arizona State even. I mean, it's it's not. It's going to be too, more localized. So this belief that they can get a nationwide plethora of support 
it's just not there. Couple that too with consider this. The Big Ten and the Big 12, for that matter, is going to have more flexibility on TV times. So you might say to me, well, I want to watch something football at 9 o'clock at night. Right. I agree. Well, guess what? The Big Ten's not going to make USC play at noon every day or every Saturday. They're going to try to add a time slot to their offering. They're going to be perfectly fine with 8 or 9 o'clock Central Time games. There you go. Boom. Problem solved. Yeah. You don't have to worry about the Pac-12 leftovers. The Pac-12 uh, best parts of them, they're going to still play at 8 or 9 o'clock. You throw in some other, some of these other teams that might leave. If Arizona leaves, you know, of course, BYU now is a Big 12 team. The Big 12, if they want to, can be like, hey, BYU, play us an 8.30 game. Right. You know? I mean, so that time slot is not going to be just reserved for the Pac-12 for the end of time. These other conferences, as they expand, will have teams in this time, these time zones, Mountain and, and, and Pacific, to be able to then start to justify 8.30, 9 central games. And then they filled that time slot. Boom, it's over. So it's not even about, oh, well, I always want something to go to bed at, at night to yeah. on a Saturday. Well, okay, you'll have something from these other conferences because they will they will have some of these teams in these regions making those TV slots more doable. Uh, so it's not even going to be like I just value being able to go to sleep to a Oregon State game at night because these some of these teams will be in other conferences playing at that time. So anyway, I, it is just a disaster. Um, Arizona and Arizona State they were the biggest two schools right now, and Oregon, Oregon and, and excuse me, Oregon and Washington. Because if someone else is going to the Big Twelve, I'm convinced it's the Arizona schools, particularly Arizona. And if someone's going to move to the Big Ten, it's Oregon and Washington. And the big the other news with the Big Ten today, I know the segment's running long, got to take a break in a moment, but the other real news today from the Big Ten was that the Big Ten uh, and their their schools, their commissioner, their, their yeah. league has met Looking to discuss expansion. either yeah. Oregon-Washington, puts them up to 18, or Oregon-Washington plus the band is on the field oh, with yeah. Cal and Stanford. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, which would be 20, and that's just the full-fledged we don't care super conference, super conference. it's here. Um, again, that's not imminent necessarily but they're now having those discussions again which has also got to frighten the Pac-12 yeah that's all got to be extremely scary now you're not only seeing the loss of you know just a few teams here you could see the loss of upwards of what now we're talking almost six teams at this point I mean I mean well six yes six, three seven. currently yeah. and if, if you lose all four of those at seven Man, that's <laughs> that's bad. Yeah, so they're they're just yeah trying to stop the bleeding at this point. I mean, and it can it can they if they can stop it, they can cauterize it. That'd be really good. I think just to keep some some solid alignment. But if the doors really get blown off this thing, and and you see the addition of these you know four schools to the pack uh, to the Big Ten, and then those other three schools that we that were just mentioned into the Big Twelve, then you're really talking Super Conference at this point. Uh, <clears throat> there's really no other way to go about it because then you'll see probably the SEC add, you know, what what SEC's at 16 schools now. Yeah, so, once Oklahoma, yeah, Texas, once Oklahoma and yep. Texas. So you'd probably see the SEC add add four more schools, and you you'd probably see you know the ACC get get ble- start bleeding a little bit here, especially with the recent talks about FSU and and how they're interested in in trying to you know gain some more strength and the ACC not being able to truly provide that. So. Um, we'll see. It's it's a lot that's in the air right now. Yeah. We could, I mean, college football could absolutely be looking extremely different in the next um, two, three, four years. Again, and all this, 
Like this Pac-12 stuff would happen immediately. I don't know how long it'd take for the ACC schools right. to weasel out of, out of those deals. The Pac-12 because it would be a new grant of rights and all that. They can get out immediately. I mean, yeah, that's why Colorado is in eleven months. They will be in the Big Twelve again, yep. and uh, USC and UCLA had already agreed upon the date again of in, in eleven months. They'll be in the Big Ten. So anything that happens with Pac Twelve, uh, with Pac-12 I, that would be very soon. That that could that would all start to take effect next year. The ACC is a different story, and we will talk a little bit about the ACC a little bit later in the show. And again, some of the dare I say bombshell quotes, honestly, just very heavy quotes uh, from Florida State's Board of Trustees this afternoon just before we got on the show. So we'll talk a little bit about that later. But for now, let's take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line. Also, birthdays and sports coming up. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Before we go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, birthdays in sports. Today we've got Tim Wakefield, who turns 57, former MLB pitcher, most known for his time with the Red Sox. Wakefield was born in Florida and played college baseball at Florida Tech. Go Panthers. He was a team MVP as a first baseman in his sophomore and junior seasons, and in 2006 the school retired his number. Didn't begin pitching until he was already in the minors with the Pirates in 1990. He made his MLB debut in 1992 and pitched a complete game in his first start. In 1995, he joined the Red Sox, where he spent the rest of his career. One-time All-Star, one-time Roberto Clemente Award winner, and two-time World Series champion, member of the Red Sox Hall of Fame. Of course, an incredible knuckleballer, uh, one of the best of his time. We don't really see that anymore, uh, but Wakefield was great at it. From uh, Melbourne, Florida, he attended O'Galley, and it's O-E-A-U, O'Galley High School. Go Commodores. Commodore, O'Galley. O'Galley. Tim Wakefield, 57 today. Grady Sizemore is 41, former MLB outfielder. Sizemore was born in Washington, where he was a star athlete in baseball, football, and basketball at... Cascade High School in Everett, Washington. Go Bruins. Bruins. Cascade Bruins. He had potential there with with Cascade as the name. Yeah. to have something more creative. A little Mountaineers. Uh, he signed to play running back at Washington. But decided, but decided to play baseball instead when the Expos drafted him in the third round 2000. Straight to the Indians in 2002, made his debut in 2004. Played 12 seasons in the majors, most of them in Cleveland. Was a three-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove, and one-time Silver Slugger award winner. Still feels like one of the bigger baseball what-ifs. Sizemore was really great there for a couple of years and 
uh, had a lot of injuries and ended up uh, not having the career many thought he would. Maybe football was the route he should have gone. Maybe, maybe so. <laughs> Although, if he got injured in baseball, I bet he got <laughs> yeah. injured in football. <laughs> yeah, his, uh, yeah, he had signed a letter. You mentioned though, he had signed a letter of intent to play football and baseball at Washington. Uh huh. So he still could have gone down both routes. But yeah. you get drafted out of high school, of course, that happens sometimes. Chris Stapps, Porzingis, turns 28, forward for the Boston Celtics. Porzingis was born in Latvia and began playing basketball at the age of six. He began playing professionally in Europe at the age of 15 when he had already grown to 6'8". In 2015, he was picked fourth overall by the New York Knicks to many a boo, where he had his best years in the NBA so far. He is a one-time All-Star. Chris Stapps, Porzingis, is 28 today. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he's from Latvia. The and, original uh, unicorn. His, uh, as a kid, yeah, he started playing for uh, – uh, La Paja, and uh, it's a club team in Latvia. There is a lion on their logo, so I okay. will say go Lions. <laughs> and then at 16, uh, he went to uh, Spain and played for Real uh, Real Betis Balancesto in Sevilla, Spain. Good grief. So okay. yeah, at sixteen, he was already he was already getting paid to play basketball. Well, I know him has a Nick and a Maverick and a Wizard <laughs> <laughs> and now Celtic. Anyway, Chris Dampsperzingis is twenty eight today, and turning twenty nine is Laramie Tunsil, offensive tackle for the Houston Texas uh, Texans. Excuse me, Tunsil was born in Florida and a two time All State and one time All American in high school at. Columbia High School in Lake City, Florida. Go Tigers. Familiar with Lake City, but again, we went basic with the Tigers. Yep. Played college football at Ole Miss. Hotty toddy. And was a three-time All-SEC selection, taken 13th overall by the Dolphins in 2016. Has been one of the best tackles in the NFL since. Had an interesting draft night. Snap <laughs> yep. yeah, And is did. a three-time Pro Bowler. And so Laramie Tunsil turns 29 today. Those are the birthdays in sports. Again, Tim Wakefield, 57. Grady Sizemore, 41. Chris, Chris Dapps Porzingis, 28. I almost said Crispy Porzingis. Crispy Porzingis. <laughs> Chris Dapps Porzingis, 28. And Laramie Tunsil is 29. So, you know, Hugh Freeze uh, was using some of his former players to help recruit for Auburn, but I don't know that Laramie Tunsil is one that he's necessarily going to reach out mm-hmm. to. You know... I think Tunsil was in Auburn. Yeah, I was saying, pretty though. sure he was. I'm pretty sure he, he was came by. Really? Campus. Yep. Somebody yeah, said I'm, that I'm not they kidding. saw his big. I guess he drives a really big truck or something like that. I'll be dang. Yeah, okay. Somebody yeah, said. Never that, mind then. Uh, Larry Tunsil. Was, hey, I mean, he did make the league again. Yeah. I don't, what he's, and he's you know, doing pretty, off the he's field, pretty one good, thing, at, but. He's well, but I mean, he also, he I mean, that's he, the kind of offensive lineman you want in here. True. Well, no, absolutely. But I mean, yeah, there's he got suspended the majority of his junior year because his. Stepfather, or not, was it stepfather or something? Accused him of sure. uh, taking benefits from an agent, and so Hugh had to suspend him for one game, and then he they was suspended for the majority of the junior season before he mm. left. And then, of course, mm. the the gas mask and yeah. the bong on again on off draft the field, night. not making an argument for it. I'm simply just saying his ability on the football field uh, is quite good. And so, if you get linemen that have similar abilities, then you're going to be in good shape just True. on the field. Obviously, off the field matters too, but just trying to speak to the on the field part. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine at Tiger Nine to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line this afternoon. Let's go to that Auburn Bank phone line for the first time. Ward Dam Steve, retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Uh, quite cool inside, but uh, outside. Not so much. Good afternoon, guys. How hot is it up there for y'all? Uh, generic low 90s, uh, which is still quite hot, but uh, that is to be expected this time of year. 
Yeah, we have to deal with the community. But enough uh, of my whining. Uh, guys, I just, I thought I'd give you some breaking news uh, that I just found out about uh, status on Quest Hunter. Have you heard? I've seen nothing I haven't on seen Quest Hunter. Well, apparently, uh, from everything I've been told or read, uh, he has apparently been seen as an Uber driver for the time being. Uh, mm. Okay. No. <laughs> no, it's, it's supposed to be a laugh, guys. Come on, laugh. Yeah, I, 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 okay. Yes. Okay, so apparently if we don't see him tomorrow on the practice field, that means he's been called uh, to do some Uber driving. Yeah, he had to go to work. <laughs> yeah, but we should we should get uh, some clarity tomorrow. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Okay, now somebody did. This is more serious. They say he's still on the roster. So if he's still on the roster, does that mean anything or not? I mean, it means they. I mean, he's not I mean, been kicked out yet. Yeah, I mean, he's a part of get, the team. I mean, they they usually are pretty quick about taking off taking players off off the roster. Yeah, but that's, I still wouldn't say it's any indication of anything. I mean, again, it's. Not, we don't know anything, so I, it's it's really enough. It's not not really anything. Yeah, and I just can't. I mean, I'm trying to use all the logic. What I mean, what would require them to take this long to make an announcement? Again, Steve, if we had all the answers, we would certainly tell you. Again, it's a it's been a serious investigation, and we know that at the NCAA level, obviously, this is not an NCAA investigation, but we know those move very slow. And again, they're just trying to get all the facts before they make a, a ruling. And so, again, I, I don't know everything involved in it, but hopefully, we'll learn soon. Okay. Well, I hope so for uh, his sake and for the team's sake as well. All right. So, moving on, guys. Look, I've got some things I want to run by you because uh, these things are so, 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 so absurd. Uh, they I don't bear mentioning, but ESPN uh, has come up with their five most overrated college football teams. Have you seen their list? Five most overrated college football teams. No, I have not seen their list. Who do you guess are on their top five list? Overrated. Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think everyone. Everybody finds so somebody overrated. The, this is according to the Football Power Index, FPI. I, 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 I'd kind of have to see a top 25 poll yeah. be put out there before I said that team seems to be overrated or not. I really I don't have a grasp. Okay, what is up? Texas A&M on the list? No, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. But one of them is uh, a team that uh, Mr. Phil Steele likes a lot. Uh, he liked A&M a lot. I don't know. Ole Miss? Florida State. Florida State. Okay. I mean, they will be highly ranked. So, if you want to go that route, that's, again, that big that big LSU game will tell us a lot at the beginning of the year. Okay, another one that you guys just talked about in the Pac-12, Washington. Interesting. Okay, no. again, I would want to see where exactly they were. Uh, rank to to start the year, but again, it, it depends because like, are they the 18th best team in the country? Sure, like I wouldn't have a problem with that. I wouldn't think that's overranked. But if they are eighth, right. yeah, okay, maybe that's overrated, overrated by a few spots, you know. So again, it depends where they put them. Okay, well I'll tell you where they put them. Uh, according to the FPI index, they uh, right number 21, and Florida State's only number 14. Yeah, no, uh, 20 for, uh, 21's fine for Washington. I, I don't really think that's overrated. I mean, they, they were they were top 25 team at the end of last year uh, when they went on a roll and, and Penix was thrown for all those yards. I believe they went 11-2. and two, So I, I I don't have a problem with them in the top 25. Yeah, well, you know, again, this is their overrating. Sure. Uh, uh, Tulane is on their list, even though they're ranked number 55. Well, how's that overrated, though? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Iowa. 
Alright is ranked uh, number thirty-seven, but they're overrated. They're on the top five yeah, overrated list. Maybe, maybe they're more of a six and six team this year. That would put them more in the fifty range. So okay, I can, I can buy that one more than the than the Washington one, I suppose. Okay, and their final top five overrated team is UTSA, who's ranked according to them sixty-one. Again, I yeah, I mean UTSA, they're going to a new conference in the AAC. I, I don't know how everything will go, but they were pretty damn good in CUSA. They were the best in CUSA last year. So, sixties for them in the country. I again, I don't think that's would flabbergast me. I think that's fine. I, I mean, I, again, I don't really have a huge problem with it. Maybe they're seventies. I don't know, but they're they should have a pretty good year. All right, and uh, let's continue with the ESPN's uh, FPI uh, predictions. They also have their Ten winningest programs for this season. Who do you think made their top ten? Ten winningest programs for this season? Yeah, teams that will win the most games. Who will win the most games this year? Georgia, Georgia, Alabama, Georgia, Alabama Ohio, Ohio State, State, Michigan. Okay, that's the yep. top three. That's one, two, and three. Ohio yep. State, one. Georgia, two, three. Alabama. Okay, who do you got left? Michigan. Michigan. Okay, they're in there. LSU. Uh, LSU's number nine. Clemson. Clemson's number five. Uh, did, did, uh, USC. So yeah, Southern Cal's got to be in there. Yeah, the number four. Um, maybe uh, not Florida State. Oregon. Oregon. Nope. Oh, I would. No. Oregon's a pretty good one. Um, Texas. Texas. Texas in there. Texas in there. The number six. Oh, okay. See, that might be an overrated. Like I would, yeah. I would say that one would be. Oh, Raymond, uh, to me, because I think Texas is more around 15 than they are top Penn top State, seven. maybe? Who? Penn, Penn State? State? Penn State's number 10. Mm. Okay, we're missing one more? Two more? Two more. Two more? Uh, Tennessee? Nope. No. Uh, Florida Washington State? State? I don't say Florida State. I don't nope. Know. nope. Okay. North mm. Carolina? <laughs> nope. But you're in the right conference. Miami? Nope. Duke. <laughs> nope. Clemson. Oh, he, we, we said, said Clemson. Yeah, we said oh, Clemson. Okay. We said so Clemson. You have one yeah. left. Then you have one left. I was about to say, if it's not Clemson, Florida State, and then you go, no, it's not North Carolina. Else. I don't. <laughs> nobody else in that conference. Uh, one more. Hmm. The random Big Twelve, like a TCU or a Kansas Te- State, Texas A and M. No. Did we say Oregon? Yeah, I said Oregon. Who who do people typically call the big game? The big game. Yeah, I thought that was Cal and Stanford. Uh, so it's not going to be either one of those. Uh, we we haven't said Notre Dame. Nope. I, f- I don't know. The big yeah. game. They call it the big game. Michigan and Ohio State. We said both of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've already said both. Okay, yeah. then you got it, Michigan. Okay, right. so that's their top ten winningest teams. Hmm. You agree with all those? Uh, Te- yeah. Other than te- Texas, Texas might be a stretch. And I'm not as high on on Penn State as them having a whole bunch of wins. I don't really know what's maybe they're bringing back experience. But, yeah, I, I don't know about Penn State either. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, the collegefootballpoll.com uh, website, uh, they actually they are pretty good. They, they actually have a better winning record in predictions against the spread than does the FPI index do. Oh, that was surprising. I read this. Uh, but they have listed the top greatest rivalries in college football history. Okay, who who are they? The top eight. Who do you think uh, this website picked? Well, definitely the Iron Bowl. Um, Alabama versus Auburn, yep. 
Uh, definitely Ohio State, Michigan. Right. They caught the game. Um, Texas and Oklahoma. Who? Texas and Oklahoma. Um, no. What? I wow. don't think I'm going to agree with no, this list. Though. No. No, it's not on there. Interesting. Uh, Army, Navy. Army, Navy. Yeah. Auburn, Georgia. Nope. What? No, I can, I top, can see that. Uh, Georgia, um, Florida? Yes. Um, USC, UCLA? No. Okay. Uh, I was actually thinking more Oregon, Oregon State. No? No. No. Wisconsin and Minnesota. <laughs> oh, wait, you are right. Oregon versus Oregon State is on there, too. <laughs> really? Yeah. Interesting. That's, yeah. A, that's a pretty bitter rivalry out there. It is, but it's not It's not two better programs than USC, UCLA. Well, yeah. um, I, I mean, is the Egg Bowl on there? No. Um. <sighs> I got is, is Alabama, one, is Tennessee. It, I was going to say, is it one of the four? There Flor- you go. There you go. Oh, Alabama, Alabama. Tennessee. And then how many more okay. we got? One or two more? One more. One more. One more. Um, is it one of the Florida rivalries? Nope. No. Well, uh, uh, Bedlam, Pac- Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? Nope. That's out the Pac-12. Then the Pac-12. Cal Stanford? Close. Notre Dame and Southern Cal. Oh. Oh. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's some it. of that's interesting. I don't. I'm sorry, guys. You left that one. Oh. Miami, Florida State. Miami, Florida State. Oh. Was on. I was wondering about one of those Florida rivalries. Yeah, remember that used to be the biggest rivalry. At least I was watching on the ACC because you know um, when Bal was there, I had, what was it? I think they missed like, three games in a row. They lost uh, to Miami right. because of the uh, of the field goal kicker. Yeah. Well, at that yeah. time, Miami was in the Big East. They didn't join the ACC until the oh, that's right. Oh four, oh five. Always but... wide right or wide left. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are. Those are famous. Yeah, no, I. Those are great. I don't know if Oregon, Oregon State should be on there. I would never pick yeah, Oregon, Oregon yeah. State. I, I think Oklahoma, Texas is is clearly above that, both in notoriety and look. If you're going on all out hate, then we would have maybe a different ranking. Maybe you would throw some Egg Bowl in there or something. But uh, again, yeah, I don't see how Oregon, Oregon State would be over over um, Oklahoma, Texas. Uh, historically, I probably would have picked maybe uh, Auburn, Georgia. But you know, the recently no. Yeah, again, it, it'd be under consideration. Um, it'd be under consideration for sure. So that's it, guys. Uh, we're looking at possibly a uh, maybe a uh, transfer uh, offensive lineman. It's looking at from South Dakota. He's a four-star. Have you seen uh, that uh, write-up about him? I honestly have not. Okay, uh, so we're going out um, on all parts of the country. Looks like. Yeah, yeah, well, we may be get, yeah. maybe getting a commitment from a from a kid from California. So yeah, yeah. Um, so we should be hearing something this Saturday, uh, Mr. Bolter. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, uh, and uh, it's a definite now. Sweden will be playing uh, the Women's USA team Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. That will be difficult. What was the uh, the score last night? I didn't see the score. The Sweden won. I, I I didn't see it either. I just know that that Sweden has obviously won their group and and they uh, they have been also a, a very good soccer nation in the women's sport. All right, and finally, guys, not to rub salt into your wounds, because I know you and I talked about it. But uh, the Thunder Chickens uh, yep. laid an egg, failed, failed to clock. Yep, uh, failure to clock. Yeah, it. Uh, 
Just not much offense last night. First game was very poor defensively. Second game was a whole lot better. We were, again, I'm, I'm certainly I'm good with playing seven full innings uh, in the second game. The first game was very disappointing for sure. And Mr. J.J. Jackson, uh, did he show up? Yeah, he's actually he had a a podcast responsibility, uh, and so he couldn't play in the first game. And then he pitched in the second game again. He he pitched well. He pitched well. Okay, well, uh, when you see Mr. J.J. Jackson, tell him that uh, Ty Ward MC says, "Duh, uh, he'll know he'll know what I mean." Yeah. Well, Steve, you know, I, I was not there yesterday, but I mean, it, it was so bad that one of our former teammates hit a home run against us. One of your former teammates, Sammy Coates. Sammy Coates? Yeah, Sammy Coates is playing for the Auburn police team that they played yesterday, and he hit a home run. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. I can, can, can y'all not flip him over? We had him at, we had him at one time. Not enough uh, NIL money for you? What, what? <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. I guess not. All right, guys, that's enough. I ran up um, making no sense. So, with that said, uh, tomorrow's the uh, – First day of practice, what time do they go on the field? I believe 9.30 is when it's going to start, 9.30 in the morning. And is it an all-day thing, or how many hours do they – No, it's just, a, it's just a couple hours. Uh, you have you still have limitations and that sort of thing. They're doing it earlier to avoid the heat, pretty much. Yeah, good, because um, I can't imagine how high it's going to be on the field for them. All right, guys, thanks for your time as always. It's appreciated more than I can uh, uh, write checks for you. But uh, with that said, have a safe afternoon and evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. And I'll listen to the podcast and see what kind of towns uh, names you came up with. Yes, All sir. All right, guys, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate your phone call. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line on this Wednesday edition of the show. Almost out of time for this hour, down to just a minute or two left here in hour number one. Still a lot to come, though. Again, we're going to start previewing all the SEC teams, kind of more as individual teams. We, of course, a couple weeks ago, or last week, I guess, uh, did over-under win totals for the Power 5 conferences. Now we're going to go into the SEC. We're going to go and preview 14 teams in 13 days. Vandy and Missouri will be the only two combined. Yes, that is disrespectful. Sorry about it. It had to happen. Uh, so Vandy, Missouri will be previewed a little bit later in the show. Coming up at 4.15, uh, we will have Cole Pinkson of On3 on. Of course, he is a great recruiting follow uh, if you're in the need for more help with recruiting. We have been in the habit recently here of uh, using a lot of On3 stuff for our recruiting info and their site. I, I look at all the time for the team rankings and player commitments and recruiting prediction machine and all the good stuff they've got it on three so at 415 we'll have cole pinkston on he will uh, again uh, talk about everything from big cat weekend the the commits leading up to big cat weekend of course the two players and perry thompson and malcolm simmons that the tigers did get this past saturday and then what big cat weekend might mean for kj bolden deandre carter as as uh, tom referenced there on the steve phone call with uh, DeAndre Carter, the offensive lineman out of Modern Day High School in, in California. And so uh, a lot of great stuff to talk about with Cole Pinkston. Again, second day back for the Sports Call 5 at 5. That will be our little bit of Braves talk for the day. So we got a little bit of everything, and if we have time, we'll squeeze in more on the ACC uh, uh, conundrum now with Florida State getting very antsy. But all that's ahead the next couple hours. We're out of time here for hour number one. Stay tuned. All that and more coming up next.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Again, coming up in just a few minutes, Cole Pinkston of On3. That'll be at 4.15 as he talks just about Big Cat Weekend and about the moves that Auburn football has done on the recruiting trail to get to what if, by, if you're just going by average, the fourth highest ranked class for 2024 by average uh, recruit ranking. So, talk to Cole about that coming up in just a few minutes. Again, a lot more to go through, including Missouri and Vandy previews here as we preview 14 SEC schools in 13 days. But want to talk a few minutes about the Braves. As uh, as Brooks said on the show yesterday, one of those nights where one of those shows where two games were played in between shows. One at night last night. One this morning. Of course, the Braves losing last night. Uh, or excuse me, winning last winning, night, yeah. uh, and uh, then winning this uh, this morning too. So taking a couple of wins after the opening uh, series loss to the Angels. So winning another series, and the Braves uh, again have continued to play incredible baseball at home. I think the stat is twenty three and six at home in their last twenty nine, maybe twenty two and six in their last twenty eight, but something in six in their last twenty eight twenty nine games at home. So they've been. Electric at Truist Park. And then another home run today for Ronald Acuna Jr., I believe is 25th of the season. We've got about 57, 56, 58 games to go in the season, about 57. And Acuna sits at 25 homers. So he needs 15 homers in the next 56, 57 games to get to that 40 mark, which, again, makes him in that uh, incredible 40 homer, 40 <laughs> stolen base category. Obviously, he's already in the 50s in stolen bases, and he'll probably rack it up in the 70s or 80s. Does he get the 40? What do you think? What does your gut tell you? I, I think he does. Yeah. I gut tells me, yeah. You said how many How many games? About 50? Got about 57 games left. Oh, yeah. I think that is very, very achievable for, for Ronald. Um, I know he was going through a little bit of a slump. Uh, in terms of hitting home runs over like I think like a 10 or 12 game span where he hadn't hit one um, kind of I think it was like kind of like last week or somewhere around there but obviously he's broken out of that he's finally you know kind of starting to get back to hitting the home runs has reached 25 um, yeah that the I mean I think he could get eight up to uh, I think he could get to 80 stolen bases so he could have a, a, a 40 and 80 type of year 
um, which is uh, pretty sure that's un- unheard of, close to unheard of um, around around these parts. So um, he's he's on pace for some historic numbers at this point. He, he's on pace for historic numbers, and the Braves themselves are on pace for historic numbers because the home runs are just insane. The amount of home runs the Braves hit is just crazy. And uh, they, they are definitely on pace to set the major league record. They've been uh, they've been crazy um, with all the home runs. So do you think Acuna's going to hit forty home runs, Tom? Think he'll get there? I think he'll get to forty. Uh, I'm going to say he's not going to get there. Uh, he's, Debbie Downer. Uh, <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's always you me. Monster. Uh, How dare right you? now, so at 25 homers in 106 games. Um, and I, I double check how many exactly the Braves have left now. Uh, that's I'm just doing the quick math on their record. So fit 69 and 37 now. Uh, I believe they've got 58. Nope, 56 left. Um, if math's right, because that means 70 and 30 is 100. Sorry, I'm going to do this out loud. 106 games they played. Yep, they got 56 games left to go. Uh, so, when this time period, Acuna's hit 25 homers. So, that's basically a home run every four games, essentially. And and so, he's been uh, able to... That's that's been the pace. Okay, one every four games. I won't even include the extra six. If he continues on that pace, then to hit fifteen more home runs, it takes sixty games, right. and they've got fifty six. So pace wise, he is right there. I mean, he is at like thirty eight, thirty nine home run pace, and so he is very, very close yeah. on that. It's it's going to be it's going to be close either way, and so I'm just thinking that he's going to end up being. Um, just one or two away from history, like agonizingly close, because all it would all it would take is like missing five or six games, right. or having a ten game stretch, eight game stretch where he doesn't home or that sure. sort of thing. And so I'm just a little worried about that uh, because he is again, it's gonna be within a, it's gonna be within a couple. Right. So he can get there. I'm right. not saying oh, there's no chance. I'm just erring on the side of. The the uh, his true on pace is to finish at thirty eight or thirty nine, and and it is harder to hit home runs in the second half when you've already played so many games. He right. would have to get again incredibly hot uh, for a couple weeks span. Again, it can happen. Uh, I hope he doesn't start to just try to do that because he's hit wow. three thirty this year, which is incredible. It's second in the National League, and yeah. I've appreciated that. Uh, but it will it will come down to the last week or so play. It's going to be close. I hope he gets there for sure. And as Cam said, yeah, he's getting in the seventies, maybe the eighties stolen base wise because he's at 51, 52 right now, fifty one. Uh, he's been caught a few times, so he's going to keep running. That's not going to deter him. The point is though, incredible numbers from Ronald. Uh, the only MVP competition he really has is from his teammate Matt Olson, right. who just continues. He who hit a home run today? Too. Hit another one, uh, 37, 38. I uh, mean, these numbers are changing too fast for yeah, me. Thirty-seven uh, to keep up with. Thirty-seven. Otani's got the lead at thirty-nine. It's not inconceivable that Matt Olson ends up leading Major League Baseball in home runs and RBIs right. and, this year. And, and and how about that? Uh, you know, with all the 
losing Freddie Freeman and, you know, all that went into that. And it's like, you know, well, we got Matt Olson. You know, it should be pretty good. Well, now you, you've got a potential MVP yeah. guy at first place. And yeah. then Freddie Freeman's still doing things. Yeah, he's his, he's the non-brave with the best chance of MVP. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Freeman's yeah. doing great things, but uh, you definitely did not miss a beat at first base by bringing Olsen in. So. Oh, yeah. It looks like Matt's really comfortable now, and, and he's leading the MLB in RBIs now, if if I remember correctly. He took it. Yes. Um, I think uh, he took that yesterday. So, um, yeah, I mean, this this lineup, <laughs> I was, I'm looking at these stats right here. Ronald has 51 stolen bases. Do you know who the next closest on the team is? Oh, on the team. Uh Oz- or Michael Harris with yes. like twelve ish, thirteen, thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! It's Michael Harris with thirteen <laughs> stolen bases. The next closest Brave with stolen base. Absolutely, Goodness. I mean, yeah, that's that's insane. That he just, I mean, he runs. He does it every yeah. time. No, there's no question that you know he's gonna try and, and get that stolen yeah. base. And I mean, it turns into a tactical advantage, and it really takes the attention away from the pitcher as well. Um, so it's got multiple uh, multiple effects. Yeah. Well, check out this stat right here. It's, uh, you know, when uh, you're talking about the Braves as a lineup and what they've done uh, as far as home runs go, I mean, one of the most pro- prolific home run hitting teams in Major League Baseball ever. Uh, they hit seven home runs in the series against the Angels. Uh, so through 106 games, the Braves have had 206 home runs. So they're on pace for 315. And uh, the record is 307, set by the 2019 Minnesota Twins. Who, they were the quickest to 200 by, like, one game over the Braves. When the Braves hit their 200th homer the other day, it was, like, one game back of the Twins of that 2019 variety. So, clearly, the Twins slowed down a little bit off the pace uh, in the, the last 50, 60 games. But... Again, with the break, it's again that one would be close too. I, yeah. I, I, I think I, I would lean more to the Braves get that one as opposed to the individual right. of Acuna. But again, it's they're all, that's going to be a last week subplot for the Braves as they will probably not be playing for anything of substance. They'll just trying to be staying hot because mm-hmm. they'll have the division. Uh, if they can keep winning series, they're going to have the National League wrapped up by then. They're right. going to have the number one seed in the NL and. Maybe even the best record in baseball wrapped up last week. I'm not going to count those chickens yet, but uh, they they will have that division one by the last week of the year, and so there'll always be the debates on how much do you play your guys yeah, and all true. that, and we'll 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 have those debates in the show when the time comes. But all these that's the great thing about these gaudy numbers is that will give you something to look out for in the last 10, 15 games of the season when otherwise, like, well, now we're just kind of waiting for the playoffs. Who we're going to play and who we're hopefully not going to blow one to and yeah. <laughs> you know that sort of thing because the Braves have been in such great position all season long. We're going to go ahead and take our next break of the show. When we come back, Cole Pinkston of On3 will join us. Again, he'll talk all things recruiting with us. That is next. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... 
Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. And we are now pleased to go back to our Auburn Bank phone line now and welcome on Cole Pinkston of On3 and Auburn Live uh, onto the show today. Cole, the time is greatly appreciated during this uh, busy recruiting season. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. We have a lot to recap over the last... A uh, couple of weeks before we even get into Big Cat Weekend, we want to start with uh, one of the big recruits that, that committed prior to Big Cat Weekend in the form of Demarcus Riddick. And of course, we've talked uh, a lot throughout the offseason, some of these targets, but Riddick felt like maybe he popped up a little more recently than, than some of the others. Take us through the process in trying to flip Demarcus Riddick from Georgia. Yeah, he, you know, it really didn't, it didn't seem like a clear, you know, like it was possible for Auburn to get him until late. Um, he was committed to Georgia, and then, of course, Alabama came on strong. You probably you know, saw the uh, video of him getting out of Nick Saban's car at, at 8A at Alabama. So, you know, it was it, a lot of Auburn fans sort of wrote him off as going to Alabama or Georgia. And then it, it was just consistency from Auburn, from Josh Aldridge, the linebacker's coach, and from Hugh Freeze, and they made him a priority. And, uh, you know, we actually – at Auburn Live, we had his grandmother on the show, and she told us that he told his dad on the way home from his Alabama official visit that he was going to Auburn, and that they had made that impression on him, and you know the relationship was too strong not to go there. So before we talk some of the particulars and some of the recruits at Big Cat Weekend, Cole, just kind of summarize how this compared to recent years i mean we we talked it up on the show way more than we have previous years just in terms of numbers and quality of player and just all that the even the even the vibes just how was that compared to the last few years for big cat weekend yeah well you had you had several guys that were that had a five-star ranking that were there you had a lot of guys with a four-star ranking that were there i think 57 total was the final count and just about every single one of those guys is a four or five star or will be or it's very close to it. So the list, first of all, the visitors list was amazing, I thought. And then, of course, you know, getting the ball rolling with DeMarcus Riddick sort of, it, it, it helped hype up Big Cat Weekend because then it became very clear, hey, you know, Auburn can win a battle like that against Alabama or Georgia because you're going into Big Cat with a guy like five-star receiver Perry Thompson who's committed to Alabama going to be there, you know, what was going to happen with that? That was the big storyline heading in, and uh, as you know, you know Auburn won out there. And then looking at uh, KJ Bolton, who's expected to make his commitment on August fifth, uh, Cole. You know, it seemed like Auburn was kind of out of it, um, and then it seemed like now, it, it, you know, it, Auburn has picked up a lot of steam. I'm pretty sure I read a quote that said that now Auburn's in his top two. Um, that that Hugh Freeze has made such a such a impact there, especially at Big Cat Weekend. So uh, it seems like maybe it's down to Auburn and, and FSU at this point. Uh, so talk about that. How, how do you think Auburn stands? What are his chances? 
Yeah, I think this this recruitment is about as fluid as any recruitment I've covered. Um, K.J. Bolden, five-star guy from Buford, Georgia. You know, Auburn was not being mentioned too much with him for a good majority of this recruitment. And, and then they get him there for Big Cat Weekend. He sort of experiences, you know, Perry Thompson flipping from Alabama to Auburn. He sees all these things go down. Of course, um, we had been told that Auburn was making a move before that visit, but I think the visit sort of drove home that, to him, you know, that, that he's the top target and Auburn's, Auburn's in this thing. That's what, that's what we're hearing. Well, I certainly would not count out Georgia. And uh, some of the reports are that Georgia sort of run third, but I think that Georgia's firmly in the mix. I think Florida State is, and I think Auburn is. Those are the three we're watching as, as the week goes on into his announcement. And, and, you know, I think it could be any of the three as of today. Auburn has been very busy with the five-star players, Cole, as you know, and as we've We've seen the last few weeks, but of course, landing Perry Thompson on Big Cat Weekend from Alabama, that had been somebody that had felt like had been on Auburn's radar for pretty early on in in the Hugh Freeze recruiting process and that sort of thing. And and then, of course, the cool commitment, uh, and we'll get to Malcolm Simmons too, but a cool commitment, and then they throw Coach Freeze in the pool. Uh, Talk about about that atmosphere, and then uh, ultimately Perry Thompson's decision there. Yeah, well, you know, it, it was somewhat telling to us. Um, the last time we saw Perry Thompson was when he was finishing up his official visit at Auburn in June, and he told us that he wanted to make a final decision between Auburn and Alabama uh, before his senior season started. And, well, when he tweeted out he was going to be at Big Cat Weekend, you know, we, we kind of went on alert. Like, is this possibly when it could happen? And uh, the closer it got, the more we heard that, yes, you know, Auburn is going gonna, is gonna to pull this off. They're going to make the flip here. And if you followed Auburn recruiting, it's not something they've been doing, you know, flipping a five-star from Alabama or getting five stars in general. So for a lot of reasons, I mean, now you have a staff who believes they can do anything. And that's why there's some confidence with K.J. Bolden because it's something that they haven't been able to do in years. And, and, and Hugh Freeze and his staff, this is their first full class. And he's done it, even before they've showed anything on the field. And that's why, you know, Auburn fans are rejuvenated right now. Auburn fans feel a lot of energy, and especially rolling into fall camp here. So um, they're doing things that we, we have not seen done at Auburn in a long time or in recent history. We always talk about momentum, like on a sports field, on uh, in a basketball game, in a football game, just something that it's hard to quantify, but you just feel it. You feel it in a stadium. You feel it in an arena. Talk about momentum on the recruiting cycle, though, or the recruiting trail, because it feels like, Cole, this is just such a real momentum. So so what happens? Like, like it, how real is the momentum right now? Is it just simply word of mouth to the next recruit and to the next recruit that, hey, this is for real, this is fun, this is where you should be? Like, just talk about what recruiting momentum means and, and how Auburn is, is, is really using it to their advantage right now. I would say that it was word of mouth at first. And that's all you can really go by until you have something to show on the field. Because I truly believe that helps with the recruiting when, when you're winning games and when you're showing guys that you are actually flipping the program around on the field because that's where it matters most. But um, going into Big Cat Weekend, you know, the guys had not seen that done before. Uh, the recruits, I'm, I'm saying, you know, they saw DeMarcus Riddick, they saw that happen, and they went, wow, you know, that's a big deal. But then they got to see it in person. They watched Perry Thompson flip to Auburn in front of the entire um, Big Cat Weekend group. And that was strategic. 
that was something they wanted to do on purpose to to show other recruits, you know, if, you know, if if we want you, we're going to go after you, and we're going to have a chance with you. Uh, it's sort of a statement, I guess you would say. So, to me, that was really important. I thought that Big Cat Weekend is that's why you have that kind of event to to prove to other recruits, you know, we can land the top guys, we can get them here at Auburn. Talking to Cole Pinkston of On3 and Auburn Live today on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Cole, as we also look at the commitment of, of Malcolm Simmons, also on uh, Big Cat Weekend on that Saturday uh, out of Benjamin Russell High School, not too far from here. Talk a little bit about what the, the Tigers are getting in Malcolm Simmons. And, and then, again, of course, I guess another another big-time target that uh, worked out uh, kind of timeline-wise to be able to commit on Big Cat Weekend. Yeah, Malcolm Simmons is a four-star guy with us at home three. Uh, I'm very impressed by him as an athlete. I've seen him in person twice now. He was at Auburn's camp, and he was very impressive. Uh, He and Bryce Kane were the two guys that stood out that day, and Bryce has already committed to Auburn, a receiver. Um, Malcolm Simmons is a guy that Auburn's quarterback commit, Walker White, was overly impressed with and at the camp went to Coach Breeze and all those guys said, hey, you know, what's the deal with this guy? He's the real deal, and it sort of snowballed from there. It, it, Auburn really ramped up the, the recruiting effort, and there was no doubt in Michael Simmons' mind where he wanted to be. As soon as Auburn sort of gave him the green light and said, hey, we're going to recruit you and we want you in the class, he was in. He didn't wait any longer. So, Cole, I'm curious with this being the first full year of the new football facility, because we make a big deal about it. Obviously, Auburn put a lot of resources resources into it, a lot of money. Maybe it doesn't factor in that much at all, but from what you've heard, from what you've talked about uh, with recruits, how much does this new facility plan? Do, do these do these high school players mention it a lot, or just kind of how is this facility coming up in recruiting talks? Yeah, I think I think they do. I think a lot of guys mention it and, and usually aren't prompted. They, they'll say something along the lines of, you know, the new facility is awesome, um, you know, loved it, that kind of thing. So we've heard that a lot. I think maybe it's wearing off just a touch just because a lot of these guys have been there multiple times. Now it's just the normal over there that they have this really nice facility. Of course, you have to remember um, everybody that's in the upper level of college football is going to have really nice facilities, and Auburn had to get on board with that. So it's, I guess it's a good thing for Auburn that that's not something that a recruit would go, uh, that's, not, that's the reason I'm not going off. That's no longer a thing because the facilities are top notch. And Cole, you mentioned that um, you know you mentioned Walker White there for a second, saying you know asking about these players and saying, "Oh, this guy's a real real deal." Different things like that. How does how has it seemed like a, having a player like him who's a hundred percent bought into the program uh, for twenty twenty four and and in that recruiting class? How do you think that impact has um, has affected how Hugh Freeze has been able to recruit uh, for that class? Well, it's one thing having a guy that, you know, helps you recruit that's committed and and a high-profile recruit, but it's another thing when that guy's a quarterback. And I don't know if y'all have seen Walker White in person, but he resembles Tim Tebow a good bit. He really does. 220, 230-pound guy, 6'4". He commands a lot of attention, and and, uh, he, he wants to. He talks well. You know, he's... He, he's uh, good with other guys, good with other families, and he really puts a lot of effort into that. When he chose Auburn, he was in, and now he feels like he's part of it, and he's part of the coaching staff helping recruit. That's what he feels like, and that's what he does at all these events. Uh, you know, I've heard that he was a big deal in Malcolm Simmons. 
recruitment. I heard he was a big deal in Perry Thompson. And it makes sense. These guys are receivers. They want to have a good quarterback when they get to Auburn. Uh, Cole, when you're uh, looking at just the staff in general and how they're recruiting, I sit there and I look at a guy like DeAndre Carter from out of uh, uh, California. Uh, what does it say about this staff that they're not afraid to go all the way to California to try to get a guy like DeAndre Carter when a lot of schools tend to focus in their region, it seems like this this staff is ready to reach out to the entire country to try to bring guys to Auburn. Well, number one, just to be completely honest, I, I think it's risky uh, right. because you look you look at Auburn's class right now; they don't have any offensive line commit. Of course, you, you, they did just get a guy from Northwestern to transfer in. He's got four years, Dylan Senda, so that helps you a little bit. Uh, but you know, usually Auburn has stayed around the, the state of Alabama and Georgia, Georgia yep. Florida, and, and gotten their offensive line class. But they, they have reached out and gone to different guys. And and uh, I, I didn't believe it at first, but it sounds like Auburn's in really good shape to land DeAndre Carter. And him coming back for Big Cat, you know, less than a month before the last time he was there, I think was really telling. So um, I like Auburn there. I think they got a great shot and, you know, Props to them for going that far and getting a guy like that. I think, you know, Ben Agamawa, who is the tight ends coach, who's from that area of the country, really helps in that recruitment. And there's other other factors as well. But with offensive line not having many commits right now or not having any, you know, that's something big for him. And they use that to their advantage. Cole, we'll start to close with this. Uh, over the next month, of course, we're going to go through the, the dead period now up until August 31st. So what does this next month look like? How many how many players will commit, uh, not only to Auburn, but but to just across the country? Is the, is the dead period usually a pretty quiet commitment deadline, or do these recruits kind of get together and, and think about what just happened the month of July and, and send in a bunch of commitments? Just what does this next month uh, kind of look like there? You know, uh, lately the big trend has been, you know, Guys want to commit before they start their senior seasons of football. And uh, a lot of guys are off the board right now, or yeah, I put air quotes around that, off the board, committed to places um, in June and July. There's really not too many guys around the country who are uncommitted, but I think a lot of those guys are going to come off the board as well in August. I mean, we know of four guys, well, five guys right now that are top Auburn targets that have dates set. And they're going to be doing it in August right before their season starts. So I think there's something about the guys going into their senior season and they play other teams and they go, oh, that guy's committed to Auburn and that guy's committed to, you know, Florida. So that's a big deal and it's become a new trend. I think that's going to be, uh, you know, that's here to stay. It almost feels like signing day, but it's not. They're just committing right now. Yeah, we've we've noticed again that uh, Auburn fifteenth in the on three rankings, but again their number of commits being at fourteen is one of the lowest totals of anyone in the top thirty. It's their uh, there's high recruiting average that's put them up there and put them in a, a pretty good spot. So it stands to reason. Yeah, if a lot of teams have twenty twenty five kids already, not too many more guys yeah. on the board. Cole, we certainly do appreciate the time today. How can our listeners uh, follow your work and the team at on three and, uh, and Auburn Live? Yes, sir. It's AuburnLiveOn3.com, and, and usually it's nine ninety nine a month, but right now you can get it for X. You can actually get it for $1, uh, and that's only holding up until the start of fall camp, which is coming very soon. So definitely get in there and get that $1 deal. And then when your time's up on that deal, you will uh, want to stick around. I'll, I'll put it that way. 
Absolutely. Well, we appreciate the time today, Cole. And uh, again, we're excited for football to be here, but also excited about all the recruiting stuff that you you put out for us. And uh, again, uh, we look forward to talking to you again down the line. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. That is Cole Pinkston of On3 and Auburn Live joining us today on Sports Call. We're going to go to our next timeout of the show. Back with more right after this. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call and Tiger 95.9. Ryan LeBoy, Cam Barry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. Again, a big thanks to Cole Pinkston of On3 and Auburn Live for joining us to talk recruiting. Again, that's been a big topic of the show this week, even a little bit last week, too, as we prep for Big Cat Weekend. And uh, again, a productive Big Cat Weekend for Auburn. It might continue to prove productive in the coming weeks as you hear the likes of KJ Bolden commit as. As Cole referenced, there are a three-team race between Florida State, Georgia, and Auburn for his services. Again, uh, Big Cat Weekend certainly impressive to a lot of the recruits out there. And so we will continue to keep you updated in the recruiting world as more Auburn targets hopefully commit to the Tigers or if they commit elsewhere. I want to jump back into the other half of the discussion we had a little bit earlier. Again, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll have a sports call 5 at 5 and then we'll be previewing Missouri and Vanderbilt football. But want to have one more discussion on the expansion now over to Florida State and the ACC side of things. We talked about the Pac-12 side of things in the early parts of the show. We want to bring up Florida State because this might hit a little more closer to home. Well, A, Tallahassee is decidedly closer to here. But then also, if Florida State makes a move, that could obviously be into the SEC. Could be the Big Ten. There are rumblings around that, too. But fascinating comments from Florida State's board of directors today from their meeting that took place just before the show. Kind of unbelievably brash comments. Uh, they're not. We don't have to speculate how they're thinking. Uh, a Florida State trustee insinuated they needed to leave the ACC not by the 2025 football season. So A, they want to they said flat out we need to leave. Yeah. B, we need to do it soon. And the reason is, and I was talking about it briefly with you guys off air before the the start of the show today. It's because of when you sign TV deals. I remember Steve brought up the Jalen Brown contract on the show for the NBA. Uh, last week when it was signed. Supermax, highest-paid player in the league, mm-hmm. and all that. And it's like, again, 
People don't like to accept this, <laughs> but this is the reason this happens. It's yeah. when you go to market. It's all about timing. If you get a max, there's ten, there's 15, 20, 25 guys in the league that are going to get a max contract. They will get it, no matter who they're playing for. And so when they go to market, it matters because in this ever-booming sports economic world we live in, there's always more money. We have still not seen where the money's decreased. It's increasing in all the major sports. The TV deals show it. The payrolls show it. The contracts show it. The salaries, all, everything shows it. And so these guys going to the market right now in the NBA are getting paid more than the guys that went to market two or three years ago because the cap's gone up. The max has gone up, and it will continue to go up. Jalen Brown will not be the highest-paid player in the league for long. It'll either be a year or two, and someone else will have a bigger contract. Boom. Yep. That's how it's going to work. Okay, and then... Now we translate that into TV deals and we translate that into what's going on in the landscape of media rights deals. And the ACC made a mistake. They signed too long of a TV deal. They signed this deal in 2016. It is a 20-year deal. It runs through 2036. And so over these last 12 to 24 months, as these other, other conferences have negotiated, these other conferences have negotiated to the current market rate. The market is continuing to go up, so the current market rate continues to go up. And so with the market rate higher, the Big Ten, the SEC, hell, even the Big 12 is getting more money per share on the new TV deal because of when they signed it, which is six to seven years after when the ACC agreed with ESPN. And so right now, ACC teams are making about $23 million a year. Again, I told you earlier, the Big 12 teams, the Big 12 minus Texas and Oklahoma will still make more than that. They'll make around $30 million a year. And so that's why the angst from now big boy Florida State, who already moved the needle enough to get the ACC to kind of have a, a non-even distribution of the share. Remember, a few weeks ago we talked about that performance base would make a couple million dollars difference from the top, middle, right. and bottom. So Florida State already pushed the needle a little bit, but they are still coming out in the public today with all these quotes saying, then – we need to leave. Drew Weatherford, the, the board of trustees, the former quarterback not too long ago at Florida State, said it's not a matter of if we leave the ACC, but how and when we leave. This is insane to me. Florida State's been in this league a very, very long time. They have been a bell cow of this league, obviously, especially in the sport of football with everything Bobby Bowden did for the, for the multiple decades he did it. And this team is so out loud saying, we're a free agent. We want to get out of here. We want to do it fast. And so the Big Ten and the SEC are going to have the opportunity to get Florida State here. And it, we, I think Florida State initiating will be the first thing here because I, again, don't sense that the SEC or that the Big Ten really wants to be the ones to muddy all the waters right. up. But, again, out loud, they're openly saying, yeah, we don't want to be in this conference anymore. It's it's almost it's it's mind-boggling for how important they are to that league that they're already saying, yeah, we just we just don't see a path to redemption here. Yeah, well, and, and it's that contract they they just uh, they they feel I think they feel like they're handcuffed with that contract for the yeah. length of the contract. Uh, they don't like the contract. They see more lucrative opportunities elsewhere. Um, and so, yeah, and they they are the first, and I but I don't think they're going to be the last because uh, I think there are other teams that are not happy with that contract uh, and definitely not happy with 
how long they feel like they are handcuffed to that contract. And so uh, if FSU makes that move, uh, now you really start getting into some legal stuff because now you know lawsuits and things like that start coming around since you are breaking contract. But um, if FSU is the first to jump on that, then I'm sure Clemson is going to follow and some others will try to follow as well. And like we mentioned at the beginning, it could be the beginning of the downfall of the ACC. It, it's pretty Again, I, I, I've already I've get, I've given you the unbelievable point. The disparity there on deals again is mind-boggling, and again, it also proves my point that it's the timeliness because you can't tell me if you're just thinking about this without the TV money in a vacuum with talent of programs, prestige of programs, a Big Twelve without Oklahoma and Texas, even though I think they did a great job trying to replace them, is not as prestigious as the Atlantic Coast Conference. It's not. Your top bell cow is what? Oklahoma State? Newly found UCF? Texas Tech? Is that better yeah. than Florida State Clemson? No. What used to, Miami? No you know, shot. what used to be Pittsburgh, a proud Pittsburgh program, a proud Boston College program, a proud uh, Virginia Tech program with Beamer? All those programs that you'd rather have the Big 12's offerings? You, you're down for some Cincinnati? You like some Kansas State? You like some Kansas <laughs> in the football world? No. You don't like that better than what the ACC has from a purely team perspective. But again, it's the timeliness of when they sign these deals that, again, seven years ago, it's a long time in this money sports world. And then again, for a 20 year deal, something you can't get out of till 2036. And so the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be involved here. I The Big Ten obviously would love to somehow get this because it would be a complete expansion yeah. of their market. But Goodness. the commonsensical thing has always been to be SEC for these teams. So I, I would have thought that the – as much as I hate it because, I, you know, I care about North Carolina, I don't – I would obviously love to see Carolina and the SEC over the Big Ten. <laughs> but I think the way more logical move is like a North Carolina and company going to the Big Ten and Florida right. State, Clemson going to the SEC, Miami if they join, maybe Georgia Tech as a fourth, whatever – that you know that would be way more logical keeping it in you know the southeast right. as opposed to all these southeastern teams going to a conference that's been reliably in the Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin lay of the land. Yeah, that that's insane. Just thinking about all of this is just so it's almost a little bit overwhelming in how fast everything seems to be moving and how all of a sudden, you know, I mean right as soon as the show we're talking about you know, this expansion and we're talking about the Pac-12 losing teams and then all of a sudden we have these this powerhouse in the ACC um, ready to ready to jump ship out of their conference and move into something a little bit more lucrative to see if they can get some more money, maybe more, you know, um, more recognition maybe in terms of conference uh, just because the ACC has really only been just, just Clemson, um, honestly, the past few years. Um, and with the exception of maybe like one or two years. Um, so I think that there's a lot of factors playing into it. And uh, it's definitely interesting and something that we're going to obviously be continuing to watch. It's going to be an ever-developing story over the next next year, next two years, that this could be something that could be happening. And, and just a country uh, – Words are hard. Complete complete. is what I meant. Uh, A complete ripple effect that could affect 
uh, I mean, just everything down the line in terms of conference expansion, realignment, and everything. And like we mentioned earlier in the show, I mean, super conferences seem like they're right around the corner. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one triple eight tiger 9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you this afternoon? Looks like I called in at the right time. I'm glad you uh, did have a guest, and I didn't get a chance to come in uh, uh, at that time. I tell you, man, I, like I told you all yesterday, uh, it's coming. I mean, somebody sitting around. When you guys went to bed last night, so it was somebody sitting up on the light somewhere with a computer, figuring out ways to make money as far as college sports and this kind of realignment and bringing these super teams in. Look at the matchups you have if you did get Clemson or Florida State. You can have a Clemson and Georgia matchup on a regular basis, a Florida State-Auburn. You know, I don't know about you guys how long you've been following football, but Auburn had some doozies and dandies with Florida State in the 80s when Pat Dye was coaching. So you figure with those teams coming in, you got Oklahoma and Texas, all these matchups people won't want to see. And when you want to see matchups, it costs money. So you look at uh, ticket prices going up, and, hey, ain't nobody going to uh, argue about that because you're getting a top matchup. So when prices for sports apparel for your team go up, you're going to buy it. I mean, TV uh, contracts that may have been signed going to have to go ahead and sit down and go back to the table, brotherhood, and come up with the right kind of money because you're going to have the top matchups week in and week out. And one of the toughest uh, conferences uh, probably in the nation, yeah, it is. And it's going to get even better. So now you figure, well, to get these matchups, we're going to have to play more games. Uh, You know, I know that sometimes they – play as early as on a Thursday, well, we might have to play on a Wednesday or Tuesday night now to get all these matchups to the people. And people are going to stay up and they're going to watch their football. So uh, money's be made. Uh, more games, uh, is that a 14-game schedule? Yeah, it can be worked out because uh, now players can get NIL money, endorsement deals. Then I guess uh, if you own scholarship, then, hey, we'll go ahead and uh, come up with a percentage to pay players for these extra TV games or whatnot. That's more money in their pocket. Uh, perhaps we can give a walk on a little something. Maybe we can give him three meals a day at our training table, if nothing else. So he'll come on to practice and maybe put a little something in his pocket if, nest, if we can. It, 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 it's coming, brothers. I'm telling you, listen, I just uh, looked at Alabama's uh, revenue from last year. They pulled in $214 million for the entire athletic department. The football program brought in $130 million alone. And after uh, operating expenses for the football program, the football program had a $52 million profit. That's, uh, that's good. Quite good. That, that's a lot of money. And Oregon pulled in $300 million athletic uh, department. So, I mean, wow, it's only going to get better. So that's all I want to put my two cents in. If you all got any comments, I'd certainly like to hear them. Yes, sir. I mean, I think that, again, we're on the same page in terms of growth here in these sports, and we know that football is the driver to that. Yes, you can make a little bit out of basketball if you're a big basketball program, but football is what drives this, and so that's why all these conversations are happening and why these teams are trying to think about football first and these values. And look, Anthony, I think you would agree with this. We're, we're headed towards just like three huge conferences. I mean, we, that, that's, right. that's where we're headed, and, and whether – uh, we all like that, dislike it, or indifferent about it. I mean, as you said, there's going to be benefits for sure. There's going to be some some huge right. matchups and that sort of thing. There, uh, you know, I, once you get conferences so big, you start to argue does it even feel like a conference anymore? So that could be a detraction there. But I mean, look, I think that clearly 
this this bubble is not breaking. This money continues to go higher and higher and higher. And as long as it does, there will be more growth in various ways, whether it's games, right. rosters, uh, you know, more big time games, more more uh, playoff spots, etc. It'll it'll grow in those various avenues. So I mean, I think we're we're completely on the same page there. I tell you one other thing too. As these games and things start to be played out, somebody's going to figure out. Well, maybe we should uh, extend halftime instead of fifteen minutes. Let's go to thirty. Let's bring in some kind of entertainment. I mean, we'll just use Taylor Swift as just uh, <laughs> for uh, you know, just for example here. Bring her in. Let her sing as many songs as she can possibly sing in thirty minutes, or either the night before have a concert. The night before, you can do that. Look at all the money that will come off of something like that. You know, and they have your crew ready to go as soon as it's over with to clean the stadium up and get it ready for the for the next day. So that's all the possibilities. I mean, you know, that that can possibly happen when you start doing something like that. It'll take a lot of planning, a lot of organization, and everything, but it can happen. Yeah, no, and I think I think with those more, I would still lean towards the the neutral site sort of stuff that we do, like the big Oklahoma Texas game, as you've talked about with the with the big fair and and, and all that good stuff, and yeah. and uh, these big like the Chick fil A kickoff game would certainly right. be something like that. Uh, you know, people will always fight for the for the band for for their halftime right. show and that sort of thing, but I think you can make events around this, especially. Again, those neutral sites or the, the marquee matchup type of stuff. Yeah, you can do that neutral sites and also have some on the campuses too. Yes, sir. Spread it out. Spread that butter and, and, and uh, bread and pizza and uh, steak and pie and everything else out. That's how, <laughs> hey, hey, that sounds now. good to me. All right, appreciate it, right. Anthony. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. I like pizza. I like bread. I do. Pie. I also like pizza and bread. Pretty good. Yes. Uh, bread involved in pizza, notably. Uh, by the way, <laughs> uh, just a couple minutes left in this hour. Uh, we'll try to get to uh, James from Montgomery to start the next hour, but again, only have about a minute and a half or so left in this hour. Again, coming up in hour number three, we'll have Sports Calls 5 at 5, presented by Southeast Land Group. So we'll uh, give you five topics there, second day back of doing that. Uh, then also still have brief Missouri and Vanderbilt previews to get to uh, in that uh, 5 o'clock hour. But, yeah, guys, again um, – I, does any, do either of you see a scenario where the bubble bursts, where we start to have to backtrack on the money, or like, are we ever gonna? I mean, it I don't really see. I don't really see it. Yeah, I don't see it either. It really doesn't seem like there's gonna be any bubbles bursting no. at any point. It seems like it's just gonna continue to inflate and inflate and inflate. I I I really don't see an end. No, it, it's it's going to keep inflating because. Uh, if somebody if so if if somebody has a certain deal and somebody wants that deal, they're going to pay more money for that, and so then you're going to get that deal. And then somebody else is going to want it; they're going to pay more money for it. So, I no, there's no end in sight. Um, it's it, the game itself is just too lucrative, and it and I mean, just the same as contract sports contracts in in the pros, the way those. There's, there's never going to be a bubble in that. I mean, we just talked. We were talking last week about the the dude in Saudi Arabia that's getting paid. The soccer yeah. player that's getting Mbappe. paid. Mbappe. Yeah, you know, he ended up declining that. Turn that down. Uh, we we talked yeah. about it. I thought it was happening, and then he went back and decided not to. But he turned down seven hundred and like seventy million dollars for a year. Yo, what yeah. in the heck is wrong with him? <laughs> Has and no all he had to do is the one year. But yeah. anyway, but but, that, no but that's the contracts. Where you, I mean, you see contracts in the professionals keep going up and up and up. There, there's not going to be 
you know, a bubble burst there. And it's going to be the same thing with college, uh, college football and some of these contracts and things like that. They're just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. So, no, I, there's no end in sight. It's, it's going to keep growing, and it's going to get stupid growing. It also shows you how uh, rough of a position the Pac-12 is that no one's wanting to pay them a lot of money for their stuff because, again, ever-changing, ever-increasing values, and yet the Pac-12 has not been able to come up with a, 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 a pitch that insinuates that they can get any sort of good value for their product because their product has been struggling that much. We are out of time for hour number two. Stay tuned in hour number three. We'll go back to our Auburn Bank phone line if James Montgomery will stay on the line. Then we'll get sports calls five at five and also a Missouri and Vanderbilt preview. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday, a full hour number three plan. So let's get right to it. Let's get to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. I know that y'all were talking about like some uh, major TV deals that were going to like move from one network to another network as well. Yeah, some uh, some conference teams uh, or some uh, NCAA uh, programs that are potentially changing conferences. Well, I mean, with the ACC having their own network and the and the Big Ten, uh, Big Ten and Pac-12 having their own network, I, I think those networks should move over to like the SEC network as well because I'll probably see like a merger between the SEC and ACC uh, actually combining and uh, joining with the SEC as well. Yeah, I, I don't think it would be a uh, conference merger. It would be more of the some of the ACC teams wanting to be in the SEC and the SEC taking those teams if, if they so choose to. I think conference mergers are – are just not going to happen uh, with uh, these big conferences. That's something you might see at a much smaller level. But uh, certainly you could end up seeing someone like Florida State or Clemson in the SEC here in a few years. Uh, Florida State made it very clear today that they are not really looking to stay in the ACC. So 
Uh, we we will have more conference realignment here shortly. Yeah, so if the SEC, if we actually get Florida State, that would be a really good thing to see Auburn play Florida State because we did play Florida State uh, years ago at one point when uh, – uh, who's the quarterback in the NFL now? Uh, James Winston. Uh, Jameis Winston, and I remember that one, and I think our head coach was, uh, mm, when we played against Winston, I think that was uh, Tommy Tuberville, if I'm mistaken. No, it was Gus Malzahn. That was his first season at Auburn, 2013. Yeah, that, yes, that was in 2013. That was uh, Gus Malzahn's first season, and after that loss in Pasadena, California, that was, uh, you know, Florida State's first win against uh, Auburn. So we lost that game in Pasadena, California, because I remember that one. That was uh, the All-State Sugar Bowl that we played in Pasadena, California as well. Uh, they, they always they always play the, the Rose Bowl out there. The Sugar Bowl is always in uh, in New Orleans. In the uh, I think it's now the Little Caesars Superdome, something like that. I don't know. It's the Superdome. But, uh, yeah, no, that was obviously a tough loss. Last time Auburn played Florida State, as uh, Anthony from Auburn mentioned earlier, Auburn and Florida State did used to play more often in the regular season. So uh, that was something that happened a long time ago. But, but uh, yeah, no, if the, obviously that would be a very interesting matchup if that were to come back in a conference game. Yeah, because if, if Florida State and Auburn actually played in a, in a non-conference game, that would be um, very interesting. And uh, seeing the history between these two schools, um, you know, it, it – it's so amazing to see Auburn when they actually do like the halftime uh, shows. They always show like the history of the games that Auburn are that we're actually playing as well, and that and that way that would give a lot of fans the insights on like the history of the uh, program as well. And I think that should uh, stay in in all college uh, halftime shows as well because that that shows a lot of. Uh, poised to the fans that look at it, and and most of the younger fans, you know, say, "Oh, I didn't know that about Auburn, or I didn't know that about us. We played this game or that game." And then you'll see like some, uh, you'll see like some historic moments as well. Like when we play uh, the Iron Bowl, you'll see uh, Chris Davis running a 109 yard uh, kickoff return, or you'll see. Uh, Punt, Bama punt, or uh, Bo Jackson over the top. Some of those, uh, those three, are are very, very interesting as well. And and I think Auburn and Alabama, I think they're gonna, they're really gonna extend the Iron Bowl in in years to come as well. Yeah, absolutely. That will uh, continue to be played each and every year, no matter what the the schedule uh, ends up uh, being the schedule model in the SEC. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at the Hall of Fame game that's going to be played tomorrow and uh, seeing if um, if Deshaun Watson is he's going to, if, you know, what, what uh, kind of player Deshaun Watson is going to be. Am I going to get the Deshaun Watson from last few years or am I going to get the Deshaun Watson that's ready to play with his, with his team once again? And, and be back in the saddle and and take uh, Cleveland Browns to a Super Bowl this year because I've I've heard a lot of teams during this off season a lot of teams trying to make it to the Super Bowl but I think the Cleveland Browns they need to make it to the Super Bowl as well. 
Yeah, all the teams try to, to end up reaching the Super Bowl, but obviously only two get it done, and it's going to be a long road for the Browns. But we will be interested to see what Deshaun Watson does this year. He did not look awesome for Cleveland last year, but still some hope there that he will right the ship back to his Houston Texan days. Yes, as well, because I know, um, you know, I don't know if Cleveland Brown, I don't know if the Cleveland Browns are playing the Houston Texans this year. Um, if they if they are, if they have them on their schedule, I know that's going to be kind of hard for uh, Deshaun Watson to look through the mirror and see his old team, his old players, and his old coach. I mean, that's that's really going to te- that's going to test his uh, mental abilities as well as a quarterback because when you're playing against your old team that you played before, I mean, some of the team. Uh, members of that old team, they'll look at you and they'll say, oh, why you're with that team? Why couldn't you stay with us for another two to three years in the NFL? I mean, it, it, it's hard to see that as well. Yeah, well, there were some, some pretty uh, obvious reasons why the uh, the Texans wanted to depart from Deshaun Watson. They do play each other this year. The Browns play at Houston on on Christmas Eve, on Week 16, so the uh, so Deshaun Watson will be going back to Houston for that game. Yeah, so when when they actually uh, called Deshaun Watson, I know when they call him out, I know a lot of Houston uh, Texan fans are going to actually boo him as well because when once you're with a different team, you'll get booed and you'll get things thrown at you and. Uh, words that I'm not going to say on on air, but you know the words that uh, when when fans boo you, it, it's a lot of uh, colorful adult words that right. you might get as well. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that. Yeah, on please air. don't. Yeah, yeah. So you know that's why I just had to you know keep that like it is. Yeah, absolutely. No, we we know some of those words that uh, you're referring to. What else is on your mind? Well, I'm actually going to be uh, looking at the Hall of Fame instrument ceremony and uh, seeing some great guys uh, that played in the game. Um, I might see uh, some great some, some guys that are going to be um, being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and maybe I might shed a little bit of tears and uh, you know maybe uh, start you know cheering and clapping and and um, you know have, having a, a good moment as well you know when, when the tears come to flowing I, I like to when when it's the hall of fame instrument ceremony i like to cry and and you know see some of these guys that i've actually seen for years when i was a little kid you know watching the nfl and uh seeing some of these uh players and coaches as well yeah it's going to be an emotional day for, for a lot of uh families and and of course all those players going into the hall of fame and and excited about the return of football in, in just one more day, at least in the preseason variety there, and it's all very close. Yes, as well, because on a Saturday, I'm actually going to be wearing my Tony Romo jersey as well, and um, I'm going to actually pull it out of the closet for this one, and uh, maybe I'll see uh, one day uh, Tony Romo actually making it into the Hall of Fame as um, as a NFL broadcaster, and he's really done – so much for um, NFL fans like myself, and um, I had some great moments when he was with my Dallas Cowboys back in the day. Yeah, I know he had some uh, very good moments. We'll see. We'll see if that ends up happening for him. Any final thoughts today, James? Before we have to let you go. Um, no, I don't have any final thoughts. 
but I did come to a conclusion in uh, trivia. So this is one of my favorite TV shows. I still watch this TV show to this day. And uh, one of my favorite TV shows I watch is MASH. I love this show as well. I've been watching it for years. Absolutely. That was a, a big-time classic. I think that was still... Does that still hold the record for most-watched TV finale? I think it I think it might. It, it broke records at the time. But, uh, yeah, MASH was a very big deal. It actually did break record, and it's still one of the number one uh, hit TV shows uh, ever of all time. Uh, it's been running for years as well. Yeah, they, yeah, they're doing all the reruns and that sort of thing. They ran from, uh, I believe, uh, early 70s to mid-80s. But, uh, but yeah, no, that was definitely a classic show. Yes, as well. So I'll probably uh, take uh, some MASH trivia um, just to see what I actually know. All right, MASH trivia. All right, uh, we can do one or two here uh, real okay. quickly. Um, we'll start off with uh, one that's going to be Kind of difficult, so I'll give you some options. I'll give you multiple choice. How many okay. e- how many episodes did they make of MASH? Is it A, 200, B, 300, C, 251, or D, 400? I will actually say they've done 200 episodes. You're close. Not quite, though. Take the uh, Take the next one up. Um, I'll say, okay, I know. They did the 300 episodes. Yeah, it's it's the one in between that. I gave you one that, I gave you all the whole numbers, and then I gave you one in the middle. It uh, was 251 uh, episodes, is, is it, uh, how many they ended up doing. Okay, so I think that's uh, 251 episodes that they're, that they've done. Yes, uh, it's, uh, it was a lot of episodes for sure. Two fifty one is uh, is a lot. All right, uh, and then uh, I'll give you another one here. Uh, can you name one of the? Uh, just give me. I don't know. I know this is kind of uh, generalizing, but give me a couple of the main characters' names and how they identified in uh, in Mash. Okay, um, um, I talked to some of the older the older people that have been watching Mash and. Um, I know one of the characters, uh, she's a female uh, field nurse, and her name is Major Houlihan. Yes. But every, everybody calls her uh, Sweet Lips for a reason, so I'll probably uh, tell you all about that more tomorrow, why they actually gave her that nickname uh, in the first uh, season of episode of MASH as well. All right, then. Yeah, but uh, that is a correct answer. So very nice work there, James. Yes, as well because I actually do watch Mash as well because it's um, it's a very it's a very um, it's a very good uh, uh, so TV show that uh, is really you know to see some of these guys and young ladies actually uh, do what they do for a lot of different reasons as well. So I've been watching a lot of uh, military TV shows for for a long time as well. And then my second um, military TV show that I watch, I still watch this one to this day, it's called Jack. I, I've watched that one. It's, uh, it's more based on the uh, Navy uh, law. You know, the people in, in, in the military and the Navy, they're all, they're all lawyers as well for the Navy as well. 
Gotcha. Yeah, Jag, uh, that also went uh, 10 or 11 seasons, so uh, familiar with that one as well. But, James, we got to let you go for today, but we appreciate you calling in. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to get to Sports Calls 5 at 5 now before we take our next timeout of the show. And we will remind you that the Sports Call 5 at 5 is now sponsored and South, uh, sponsored by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756. Or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them at selandgroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group, we're going to look at the Braves' acquisitions of the last week or two in and around the trade deadline. So let's get right to it. Number one. Number one was Taylor Hearn. Now Taylor Hearn is mentioned first because he is no longer with the Braves. He was immediately traded uh, again. Uh, to acquire another player you're you're going to hear on the list in just a second. <laughs> but uh, Taylor Hearn was brought in, a lefty reliever uh, that uh, pitched one game for the Braves, and yeah, uh, that, was that was it. That was a rough outing. Number two. Number two is Pierce Johnson. They were acquired on the same day. This time, Pierce Johnson from the Colorado Rockies was acquired, and Pierce Johnson with a mid-four uh, ERA at, uh, on the road, but uh, high high sevens, I believe, on at home in Coors Field. So, much different pitcher away from home. And, again, the Braves are kind of betting on that. He's already pitched a couple times now uh, for the Braves. And so – Has looked pretty good. Uh, yeah, a couple couple outings so far looking uh, pretty good. Next up – Number three. Next up is Yanni Chirinos. Yanni Chirinos was acquired after being designated for assignment by the uh, Tampa Bay Rays a couple of weeks ago, a, a starting pitcher – for Tampa and a long relief pitcher for several years. Yanni Chirinos now in the Braves rotation, got his second start for the Braves, and uh, Chirinos was able to get the win today against the Angels. Pitched five really solid innings. They left him out there for the six. He gave up a couple leadoff singles and then uh, got pulled, so ended up giving up a couple more earned runs there. But uh, Yanni Chirinos now factors into the Braves rotation. We'll see if that changes once Max Free and Kyle Wright get back. I have an inkling that uh, he will still stay in the rotation once uh, Max Free comes back. It will be Kyle Wright that will be the, the one to watch because, remember, the Braves are still cycling between A.J. Smith, Shaver, and Soroka. So, Sharinos will be fine when Free comes back. Right, but then you move him to long relief or somewhere that, like that. Right, if, Kyle, yeah. if and when Kyle Wright comes right, back. Exactly. But I'm saying there's still two, there's two spots there that Freed and Wright will – Will need, but one of them is is still below Chirinos on the pecking order because one of them is that Smith Shaver, Mike Soroka, and company. So Chirinos will still be in the rotation when Max Fried returns. Is what I'm is what I'm saying. Uh, so Chirinos will be uh, still there. Next up, number four is Nicky Lopez, the utility infielder, uh, coming over from the Kansas City Royals. This is what the uh, the Braves did in an acquisition involving Taylor Hearn. This is where they spit him back out to. Nicky Lopez, a utility infielder with some speed, can really play all the infield positions. Uh, he will be the kind of the new Charlie Culberson there, as Culberson had been on the bench. But Lopez, an upgrade because of the speed department especially. So Nicky Lopez now at the end of the Braves bench as an extra infielder. Nice. And 
last up. Number five. On our sports call, five at five, presented by Southeastern Land Group. It is Brad Hand. That was uh, a player that was actually acquired on the trade deadline yesterday. Brad Hand, a former closer in multiple uh, locations, a three-time All-Star, someone with several seasons with a sub-three ERA. Brad Hand is a high-leverage reliever, a lefty reliever. I believe he's 33 years of age right now. And so Brad Hand, uh, he also was pitching in Colorado with Pierce Johnson. Not as bad of a season, but still low fours ERA, which is well above the career ERA of Brad Hand. So, again, I think that Colorado air has uh, once again proven to be fatal for some of these pitchers. But Brad Hand has been uh, one of the better lefty relievers in the sport for quite some time. He, has been a, he will be in addition to the Braves bullpen and will be available starting in that Chicago series. So, again, the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. Again, Taylor. Hearn, Pierce Johnson, Nikki Lopez, Yanni Trinos, and Brad Hand, the new acquisitions for the Atlanta Braves with, of course, Taylor Hearn again being traded. We're going to head to our next timeout of the show. When we come back, we'll get to Jeff from Columbus on the Auburn Bank phone line, and then we'll still have just enough time to break down real quickly Vanderbilt and Missouri, their outlook. Stay tuned. More sports call after this. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom PB Camberry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon, we speed right along here in this 5 o'clock hour. And we go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing great, guys. Hope you all are doing okay. Yes, sir. Hey, um, man, uh, hey, a helpful hint. Uh, you might not want to tell people who's coming up next because you probably lost more than half of your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> because they knew I was coming. But um, they'll probably come back, though. They heard Missouri and Vanderbilt coming uh, Well, totally, yeah. <laughs> um, man, you it wasn't too long ago. And you all were, Ryan, you, I know Tom was there, but Ryan, you probably there. We were talking about we can't extend the playoffs because the student-athletes, they can't be out of school. You know, it's going to affect all this. But I think all that has gone out of the window, hasn't it? I mean, how many games did Georgia play last year? Fourteen? Uh, Fifteen, uh, I believe, yeah. Fifteen games, yeah. right? So so apparently the student-athlete part of college football has gone out the window. And even – didn't Anthony say yesterday or the day before, like, you're not going to teach a guy who doesn't want to learn how to write an essay, you know, how to write an essay. In college, he's there for one reason. He's there to play football for the University of, right? So how long do you think it's going to take before this is just professional? I mean, I I understand, okay? I guess right now a student-athlete has to be enrolled at your university to play for your football team. But we're... I mean, we're moving slowly but surely to paying student-athletes, right? 
and because it's it's going on now. Yes. So when when is it going to be okay? We're going to hire high school players to play for our university. Do you think you can't say never say never, right? Who would have thought any of this was going on five years ago? Sure. Right. Okay. So, uh, I I really feel, and that's why I watch college football instead of pro football, right? Because you go, hey, this the kid that you know went to, you know, he, he liked going to Georgia, right? Okay, but not everybody went to Georgia. Not everybody went to Alabama. Not everybody went to Auburn. But they go, hey, uh, he's he's an Auburn man. He's you know this it. You know, I I personally think that in there's more passion in college football than there is pro football. I say that until I went to an Oakland Raiders game. You know, <laughs> yeah, they're pretty passionate. Uh-huh. Or if you, yeah, but but there's something different about going to uh, LSU. You go to LSU Stadium, you know, it's crazy. You go yeah. to Auburn, Georgia, you know, they're there, but. Do you not feel like it's headed straight for, you know, just, I wouldn't even say minor leagues because people like college football, right? Sure. So, I mean, I, but my, do you my, not see that? I mean, it, it, the NCAA is not strong enough to stop anything. So, so that's what I was saying. So the way I think of it is it will all this will always be something that will be opinionated. It's going to be up to the individual how they feel. And uh, my stance is going to be a lot different than probably the majority. My stance is going to be as long as we're attaching universities to this, it's always going to feel like college to me. As long as we have the traditions of college athletics, it's going to feel like college to me. But many out there might say, well, this player is going to get a million dollars. This player is going to get $500,000. This player is going to get $200,000. This is, this is professional in my opinion. You know, I, I think it's always going to be up to the individual's opinion on, on where you fall in that debate. But for me, college is way more about the universities attached to it, the rivalries attached to it, the pageantry of it, than it is about what players do and don't make and the, the luxuries they do or don't get. And so, again, that will always be a – a matter of opinion there as long as they're not and they won't I, I i would not think this would ever happen they won't feed into particular professional teams you know i mean there there's way too many of them in college they're not going to end up being the triple a for the dallas cowboys or the triple a for the new england patriots etc so as long as we're still separating it with these universities and i think also the the thing is and yes i'm i'm not disagreeing with you that people think of it this way too but we still have these it's such a small percentage of collegiate athletes that actually get to do this at the professional level when they're 22, 23, 24, 25 years old. We get lost in SEC country with, well, I mean, half of Georgia's team ends up in the pros and half of Alabama's and a quarter of this team and that team. But it's like, I promise you, no one's really going from like uh, UTSA. Or, or UAB or Troy or any of those schools. And, and heck, even schools like uh, Kentucky or Vandy are only going to spit out a couple a year. You know, So it's percentage-wise, yes, these kids could make a decent amount of money while they're here. Like You still need to get education. I know that's not really relevant to what we talk about in the sports world, but like that's still a life thing that these kids need to be targeting because 90% of them will need that one day. So 
I, again, to me, it will feel like college, but I certainly understand why people are thinking it is more and more professional by the day. Well, and my I guess my point was because I can see this coming out, especially if the, uh, they get a union or something like that. Do you ever see a day where your star running back and your star quarterback don't even go to school at your school? Hmm. Yeah. Again, I would. Huh, I I would say you could easily throw at me the never say never, but because yeah. of the university part of it, I mean, the university would not. I don't think be a huge fan of that. Uh, again, the sports department no. would say, "Well, we make you a lot of money, and uh, so don't yeah. we have the power and and that sort of thing." But man, again, I just. I don't. I don't think we ought to be cut, cutting out the school part of it, even for even for guys that seem no. like sure things. There's five star guys that don't make the NFL from time to time. Like it's it's rarer, obviously, but it happens. There's no sure right. bets. You can tear an ACL week one and never be the same. I mean, the, so I would never advocate for that, and I think it would be at the minimum. It'd take a long, long time to get something like that. That would be pretty pretty wild. Well, Ryan, I've been listening to this show for a long, long time, and so much has changed. Sure. Okay, in since '95, so I I can't believe how much changed in five years. Yeah. So, what was? Hey, I'll call you back and remind you about that. Okay. That sounds good, Jeff. <laughs> that sounds good. All right. Sorry. Hey, thanks for taking my call. You all get on with your show, and I'll be listening. Absolutely. Thank you again. We- we appreciate yes, it as always. Have that a is good day. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Always appreciate Jeff for calling in again. And I, I am, I do want to be cognizant of that fact too. Like you said, the the never ne- say never part. We need to be. There's not a lot of absolutes. Look, I'm not going to say there's no absolutes. That inherently is an absolute. Uh, but there's not a lot of absolutes, and, and so I, I will give you the never say never part again. I see a lot of people, we, we hear a lot of phone calls, and we hear a lot of people talking about it's already evolving into professional af- athletics for their for their sake. Again, I, that's that's going to be a matter of opinion with no clear-cut right answer, I, right. I don't think. Uh, again, for me, I've always thought of college athletics from the university, the rivalry, the tradition standpoint first. What the players get or don't get is secondary to me uh, and my feelings about the schools and that sort of thing. Because I think still such a large and look, I I need to be careful too because certain fan bases still have a lot of people that didn't go there. And we joke about that too all the time, but there are still uh, a lot of these schools fan bases are still people that have something to do with the university. Again, not all, and that's okay. You don't have to. That's not a requirement. My my connection to UAB is so loose it's just because I was born in the city. Okay, my parents worked at the hospital. Okay, yeah. why well, I still love UAB. Grew up going to the games there. Still didn't go to UAB. I respect it. Didn't even really consider going to UAB. Uh, but still love UAB. Cried, cried real tears in my dorm room when they got killed from football seven or eight years ago. It's a real thing. Uh, so, again, I'm not talking about validity or anything like that, but still a lot of schools uh, have a lot of their fan base from something to do with the university, whereas, obviously, I don't have a damn thing to do with professional teams. <laughs> None of us do. <laughs> we just we like what we see on TV. We like to follow some players around, all that. 
grow up in a city. I mean, Cam, you I mean, you grow up in Atlanta, sure, but like you still don't have to be a Falcons fan. You'd be like, yeah. oh, Cowboys look cool. I like the brand. Oh, goodness or, gracious. Or whatever. No. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But, uh, but, oh, yeah, but I totally but, uh, get you. It's more, maybe it's about locale or what right. you see on TV. And if, if the Bucks weren't playing the Raiders when I was five years old in the Super Bowl, <laughs> I don't know if I'm a Bucks fan today. Who knows how that maybe plays you're a Raiders out? Fan you know, maybe the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, what, you know, maybe I'm a Las Vegas guy. Whatever. Raider so, Ryan. So the, the schools, the colleges, we are much more a part of those than we are the professional counterparts. So again, that's why it feels to me there will always be a separation no matter what the the athletes end up making or don't make. So any any thoughts on that before we move on to real quickly to Missouri, Vandy? No? Good? No. We're all, right. all good, man. So uh, we're starting to run a low, low on time. That's okay. As Jeff joked, we understand that some of these schools are not going to be very interesting. That's why we put two of them on one day because we uh. wanted to make sure that uh, we did not have uh, too much going on here, uh, and too long of a of a conversation about Missouri and Vanderbilt. Uh, that's also why we lump them together. So we got Missouri and Vandy to talk about here in the last 10, 15 minutes of the show. We'll start real quickly with Vandy. Vandy rough year last year, uh, as it is most years. I say rough. I mean, five and seven is not as rough as it gets. It's actually the second best season in the last five years. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, for Vandy because they had a two and ten, zero oh and nine, and three and nine. So again, five and seven. <laughs> It's actually kind of average to above average. Yeah, five and seven. Uh, they're like, ah, yeah. So uh, we had it's a solid season. It, yeah, it's not horrible. They had two conference wins against Kentucky and Florida. That's why it's tough to really set an expectation level because I walk into everything on the schedule SEC wise: Kentucky, Missouri, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, Auburn, South Carolina, and Tennessee. That is the schedule in the SEC, and I say no, they're not as talented as any of those teams. Maybe they're not far away from Missouri or something, but like they're not on a piece of paper going to grade out as talented as any team in this league. Their non-conference is Hawaii at home, who they did a thump last year. So I feel pretty good about beating Hawaii. Alabama A&M at Wake Forest, which I wouldn't feel great about. Uh, I do think it's not possible to post Sam Hartman, but I don't like Manny's chances. And then at UNLV, which is a strange road game, UNLV Athletics, not at all good, despite being in Las Vegas. Yeah. And so I'm feel a three and one in the non-con, but yeah. but uh, Cam, I mean, do, do you have any strong takes on Clark Lee? Is he doing an okay job? Like just just do you think they can get to a bowl game this year? What do you think? I think that's got to be the goal at this point this year, right? Five and seven last year. You know, you said like you said. I mean, it's an average to above average season for them. Um, you know, if they can get to a six and six season, that's successful via. Yeah, Vanderbilt's yes. standards, right? So if, if they can get to a solid six and, and and just you know in in the years going forward, if they can get six wins every year, then pff, that's I mean that's a win, right? Going when in terms of how you know how how Vanderbilt is viewed and what their expectations are year to year, six wins that you know that's that's really what you're looking for. That and will it be tough? Absolutely, I think maybe. Man, I, that game against Florida last year was <laughs> something to behold. Uh, everybody said, "What? Florida lost to Vanderbilt? That was." Yeah, someone needed to shake Billy Napier and said, "You're Woo! not at Louisiana not, anymore. Yeah. You can't lose to Vanderbilt." Yeah, that was a tough one. So you know, four. You know, like you said, a three and one in the non-con. I think that's pretty solid. Um, you know, maybe they'll be able to sneak that Wake Forest game, but I agree with you. I don't I, even without Sam Hartman, I don't see it um, 
and then you know maybe Missouri, but on paper, like you said, same thing. It, yeah, not 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 great chances. Um, maybe you can get that one because you're at home. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. At Florida, depends on how Florida's looking. They couldn't be good. They could be you know not good. They could be. Yeah, I mean, they are yeah, picked fifth. Right. I was going to so. say, they're not projected to be very yeah. good. So, so you know, that could be another surprising one. And then, I mean, that right there is your – that's that's five wins. If you can, you know, muster out of – then what are you doing yeah. at the end? You're not beating Georgia. You're, you're not – I don't yeah. think you're beating Ole Miss. No. I don't think you're beating Auburn. That would be the next most likely, to be quite yeah. frank. Auburn, you're yeah. Auburn, at, at South Carolina yeah, and then not, at Tennessee. Not, yeah, not, a, not yuck, high chances. You know? So that's also why, again, Auburn became a homecoming game because your options in <laughs> yeah. October or November, you had, you had two home games between October and November, and it was Georgia or Auburn. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean <laughs> – might as Again, well take that's, the, yeah. that's how that ended up happening. It is what it is. So, you know, I, I think they just can continue to try as best as they can. You know, if Clark Lee, like I said, if they can get to six wins, even if they repeat in five and seven this year, yeah. that's a that's solid for them. That's a win. You and know? I, I, <sighs> we don't spend much time on them, but this is our moment to do so. I'll tell you this. Uh, you know who's not going to benefit much other than maybe just pure moolah, but from a success standpoint, who's going to benefit from conference expansion? Vandy. No. Because they beat Oklahoma or Texas yeah, when they come in the league. Absolutely not. Uh, so you remember Kentucky had that like incredibly long streak where they did not beat Florida at Florida? Yeah. It was like 40-something years right, or something long, just long egregious. Time. I don't even recall exactly what it was. They finally did it a few years back. That's going to be like Vandy and all these newcomers. Vandy's yeah. played Oklahoma 19 times and never oh, beaten them. that's and pain, They played man. Texas 23 times and never beaten them. You know, it'd be, it's going to be it's gonna be rough for Vandy. I. I'm thinking about five and seven, maybe four and eight this year. Give them a conference game, get, uh, someone unlucky, Missouri, Kentucky, right. somebody. Uh, really, they they got to do their work in the first six games of the have year, to. though, they because have it's to. their four non-conference games, and then it's Kentucky, Missouri at home. Literally, their six most difficult games are all after that. Yep. Because even the Florida bits at Florida, at least it was home right. against when Florida they, last right. year. If if I mean again, if Florida didn't learn their lesson last year, if they lose to Vandy this year, I'll go ahead and tell you Napier's not work out there. Well, I'll just go ahead. Yeah. And put it that way. Any thoughts, real quickly, on uh, Vandy Tom? Just can you see them being four or five wins? That about the the yeah, limit for I, them? I I think that's going to be the limit for them. And I mean that's kind of typical for Vandy. Um, like we mentioned. A lot of times, if they get to six, I mean, that's usually a, a stellar season for a program like Vandy. So, yeah, I mean, I we revere James years. Franklin for nine and four. We're just like, we uh, don't know uh, how you did this, sir. Oh, yeah. Good job. Yeah, even though you can't win more than nine at Penn State, <laughs> but <Good for> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Vandy's going to be tough again. So let's go to their other bottom friend, Missouri. Bottom feeder. Uh, um, so real quickly, Missouri, again, we will, with the individual teams, as they're more appealing, we will spend more than just five minutes on them, we promise. But obviously I don't think that a half hour on these teams is going to do uh, uh, do much good for anybody. So Missouri, real quickly, though. So their slate, non-conference-wise, it gets interesting there. They host South Dakota, host Middle Tennessee, should start to know. But they host Kansas State. Remember, Kansas State had quite a good campaign last year. They, in fact, won the Big 12 title game against TCU. And then they have Memphis in St. Louis. That is going to be kind of an interesting, interesting event. Memphis, obviously, very it's not far away from St. Louis. I mean, it's in West Tennessee. Uh, so trying to have a new, bit, bit of a neutral game there. 
Uh, so not exactly. I, I Memphis had a little better year last year, so I'm not exactly giving that to Missouri, but they certainly need it. They can't afford to lose it. Uh, then conference-wise, you know, they, they're at Vandy. We talked a little bit about that game. Host LSU is going to be problematic. At Kentucky, host South Carolina. At Georgia, host Tennessee, host Florida. And they always have a, a bit of a rivalry with Arkansas. They actually were able to to stun and beat Arkansas at the end of last right. year, kind of confirming the disappointing year that Arkansas had. Uh, beat them 29-27. Uh, that one was at Missouri. This one will be at Fayetteville, though. Uh, so Missouri's goal, because this is now, what, year four for Eli Drinkwitz, five and five in 2020, which, again, with all conference games, ain't bad. Nah. I mean, five and five is you think to yourself that's bad, but if that's a four and four conference here, that might have been an eight-win Missouri team. wasn't bad. Uh, but then six and seven and 21, six and seven and 22. So do you do – Six and seven again. Yeah. I feel like you got to fire him. Yeah, I mean, fire him. Why? Well, because no, Missouri still has a higher standard yeah, I mean, than that. They, do have I mean, a they went to two conference title week. games. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they they do. Missouri does have a, a higher I'm standard not, than. Yeah. The the other thing I look at is you know if especially now with the the uh, expansion coming with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, uh, you know there's still kind of a rivalry of since with that I guess from from the old days, but. You can't find yourself falling further behind when when you've got two new teams coming in. Uh, you look at you know Auburn looks like they're probably going to be back up on the rise. Alabama's not going anywhere. Georgia's not going anywhere. LSU is definitely on the rise. Tennessee is on the rise. There's all these teams. Again, as Ryan mentioned, you've got a kind of a proud history already, and you've made it to conference games. You've already got people that are far surpassed you and are growing even further past you. Now you're bringing two more teams in. It's like at some point you have to fix it, and I don't think Drinkowitz is the guy that can fix it. And so I, I see him coaching this year. I don't think they're going to be good. They'll be doing good to make a bowl game this year, and then I think he's out. I mean, just but, but let's be real here. So, we're being real. So, so yeah, go ahead. Right, but but I'm saying six wins, seven wins right. every year. If you're Missouri in the SEC, I I I just think that's solid. In ter- I don't see them getting back to even the upper echelon of the sec right sure i I don't i get you wanted them you want them to compete i think i think drinkowitz is a solid recruiter i i you know i i'm i'm not gonna say that he's doing you know wonders and getting all these five stars and different things like that but i think he recruits pretty solidly gets some three stars gets some four stars um, and and you know puts them puts it together puts out a solid product. Uh, I mean, realistically speaking, last year, I mean, if we're being hundred percent honest, they should have beaten Auburn, right? Um, so that's that's a win. Instead, you're looking at seven and six instead of six and seven. You know, so that there's there's different things that I think um, could play play a factor into it. And 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 if you're looking at if you have that seven and six year, you know, last year, uh, that I mean, that's a winning record. So. You know, it's in, it, you're looking at improvement. So I think if they get seven wins this year, I don't see them firing him. I mean, I don't. I, I just. I guess I, I. I get that you're saying that they have expectations. I just. I mean, at what point do they? Well, so let me explain know. a little more. The expectations are not to win the East. They're no. not to be a top three team in the SEC. It's not at all what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, if you're Missouri, should you just accept not being as good as Kentucky? Should you just accept not being as good as South Carolina? These historically are not good programs either. 
Like, you shouldn't accept that. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Like, yes, there's going to be years that you're not as good as those teams, but you shouldn't just simply accept year after year to be beaten by those teams. yeah, right, right. And and that is what's happening right now because South Carolina's clearly on a higher trajectory than them. Kentucky has been clearly better than them for the last several years. This is a team that had a couple good years in the Big 12, too. Like, they 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 have their runs with Pinkle. I went back and went through. 07, they were 12 and 2. Starting in 07, I'll just give it all to you. 12 and 2, 10 and 4, 8 and 5, 10 and 3, 8 and 5. Okay, so eight wins a year, Big 12. They go to the SEC, things change. They went 5 and 7, but then 12 and 2, 11 and 3, that was the back to back title games. 5 and 7, 4 and 8, struggling. 7 and 6, 8 and 5, 6 and 5, fired Barry Odom after consecutive 7 and 6, 8 and 5, 6 and 5. So still fired him after that. Yeah. And then Drinkwitz 5 and 5, 6 and 7, 6 and 7. So I'm saying is that clearly 6 and 6 has not worked for them in the past. And they have four of their previous – they had a stretch of four years out of six where they won seven or more games, including the two uh, right. 11-win games. So I'm not saying, yeah, you're going to be 10 or 11 wins a year. Absolutely not. Don't think that. Don't think that's a reasonable expectation. But there's still middle. There's still some more middle ground between six wins and double-digit wins. And they can look around them right now and say, are we good being 12 out of 14 – and the SEC, maybe even 13 out of 14. Right. I've lumped them in with Vandy today. Yeah. They're 13th right now. Like They ha- they should expect more than that. They yeah. don't expect top five or anything, but they need to try to work on being better in Kentucky, yeah. South Carolina. That's yeah, not an unattainable a, Yeah, at least a goal. middle-tier program. And then once we lump everyone together, then you can say, well, we, they need to work on being better than Mississippi State. They play Arkansas every year. They need to be work on being as good as Arkansas right. or better than Arkansas. So, again, that I'm not – I don't. I'm not. I don't have some unrealistic yeah, Missouri truth saying, in there. I'm you. just saying that this shouldn't be the settle. Yeah. If 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 you've already proven that you can, you can, yeah. and that Kentucky and South Carolina are not some great historical juggernauts at all. Kentucky, I just said they didn't beat Ford in 40 years, right? <laughs> or whatever it was. So uh, anyway, uh, Missouri though, uh, we're about out of time here, but Missouri does figure to be towards the bottom of the league. They were voted six in the East behind Florida. Uh, and, again, it's going to be kind of a tough time uh, for them, too. So that was real brief previews on Vanderbilt, Missouri. Give you a guy for the rest of the week. Mississippi State will be tomorrow. And then Florida uh, will be on Friday as we kind of work our way from the bottom of the SEC and work up. So uh, just a minute or so left in the show today. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right, Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Real quickly, the basketball tournament, 6 o'clock on ESPN. Cornhole at 6 o'clock on ESPN, too. So, yeah, you're not probably not watching the ESPNs tonight, folks. Uh, Movie picks for you, 612. Why it's not 6 or 6.30, I don't know. Night (laughs) at the Museum 2 on Stars. 7 o'clock on FX. It's Thor, The Dark World. 7.25, there was one more sport pick for you. It's the the Premier League series, I guess, here in the U.S. or uh, just kind of preseason stuff. Chelsea and Borussia Dortmund, 7.25 on ESPNU, and that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. And that is it for the show here this afternoon. Cam, thank you for being here today. Hope you have a good rest of your week, sir. We'll see you again next week. I will. See you next week. And then Tom Peavy, thank you for being here throughout the week. Hope you have a good rest of your week, and we'll see you next week. I will be here next week, and uh, be ready to cluck up next Tuesday. One final regular season One final go-round for it. Yes, sir. 
That will do it for the show today. Again, we appreciate Cole Pinkston of On3 and Auburn Live for joining us on the show to talk recruiting. And, of course, as always, we thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Berry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.